Hey guys, welcome back to our next episode. This episode is our, what number? Eight? Eight. 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 Eighth episode. Eight episode. This is Mango Movie Madness. I'm Tim. I'm Ryan. Today is the 29th of Sunday, and this episode you should be hearing sometime uh, tomorrow on the 30th, because we promised that we would get everything out uh, in September, and we got Belco Experiment out a couple days after, and I will be getting this done Hopefully within the next twenty four hours, and that clock there's no clock up there anymore. Oh yeah, That's I took it down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I thought they, they left the nail better though. Yeah, <laughs> I guess they're finally changing the batteries on that thing. That's good. Was it dead? That's probably why the ladder was in here. It looks like they just like the took ceiling. It off the, wall. the ceiling is maybe like seven and a half feet. Not a not a very tall room we're in, but some people just need ladders. Well. Okay. <laughs> We're not here to talk about ladders. Back to the podcast. <laughs> We're here, here to talk about kids killing each other for the fourth time this uh, this month. This killing movie, folks for funsies. So I can't remember if when I because the first time I saw it was the regular version. When we saw it now, rewatching it for the podcast, we watched the special edition version of Battle Royale. Um, apparently, in the IMDb, like they have the list of additions that they added for the special edition. It says they added a lot of CGI, like a lot more CGI blood. Hmm. And I think I can see that. I don't remember how much blood I saw in the original movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It, it was. Uh, it must have been minimal because it's, a lot of that stuff looked real enough. Yeah, that it didn't like take me out, especially because there's not a lot in terms of like true gore. No, like there's a couple. You know, there's a couple like heads get cut off or whatever. But yeah, it's mostly just like gunshot. It's mostly gunshot wounds and uh, and then some like prosthetic effects for you know. Some great prosthetic effects that we'll talk about later. So this is the end of Killing Folks for Funsies Month. We yeah. went through Purge. We went through Belco. We went through Running Man. And now we are here. Uh, and the next month's announcement has already been made on our social media. So go follow that, guys, at uh, Mo- Mango Movie Podcast on – or Mango Movie Pod? Yep. Yeah, Mango <laughs> Movie Pod He's on trying. both Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> Let's start talking about the Battle Royale. Yeah. Yeah. ゲームです。この国はすっかりダメになってしまいました。そこで今日は皆さんにちょっと殺し合いをしてもらいます。バトルロワイヤル。やめ。やめやつだと思うかもしれないけど、他のみんなが怖いの。<笑> 
になって戦って生き残る価値のある大人になりましょう無料時死亡してんじゃねえ俺が殺した反則だよなバトルロワイヤル This movie was released in 2000 and as a preface which we Ryan kind of explained so we watched the special edition which was actually released in 2001 uh, Ryan watched it on Amazon Prime Video Yeah and on Amazon Prime Uh, if you are looking for that movie, it doesn't show up as like regular Battle Royale. They have uh, they have both titles on there. The regular version, for some reason, is not available to watch on Prime Video, but yeah. the special edition is just shown as like Battle Royale with English subtitles, oh. and that's like that's the full name of it on there, and yeah. that's the special edition. Oh, uh, okay. So I watched it. I didn't watch it on Amazon Prime Video because I was on my phone and I was like, I can't find it, so I'm just gonna go to YouTube and see. And yeah, it was there with English subtitles, and uh, it was on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> so. I watched the original version on Shutter, but they didn't have it on there when I went back to check. It's on Prime Video, so cool. This movie came out in 2002. Apparently, a lot of controversy. Basically, the government. Was just shitting all over this movie, being like, it's just you know, violence for fun. There's no point in this movie. Like, it's, oh yeah, you know, gore for the sense of like, it, it, it basically got the same treatment as like when Halloween first came out. They were like, it's just you know, or like when Friday the Thirteenth. Like, basically, critics hit really hard on those movies, just specifically for like the violence on like teenagers and kids and like yeah. how like. I don't know. They, their thought process on it was that it doesn't really like mean anything. There's no point to it. Like it's just violence for violence. Right. Right. Compared to Belko experiment, I like this far more because I cared. Yeah, that's the thing is they actually there's so many different relationships between the separate characters. Yeah. And especially when it comes in terms of like sticking together or turning against each other, like it really affects a lot. Mhm. Mhm. This movie is really uh, debatable on what your perception of a foreign film is because Commitments was an Irish film with Irish actors filmed entirely in Ireland. This is the first uh, foreign language film that we've watched. Yes. And this is with, given uh, the first Japanese film we've watched, of course. I uh, When we talk about these directors and, and or the, the director and some of the castings, it's going to be a little shorter – than what we usually do, which is, you know, 20 to 25 minutes talking about, you know, the collective. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know. I know a lot of English films. I know a lot of American films. I don't know a lot of Japanese films. When I watch anything Japanese, it's typically a kaiju film, not even like anime. Mm -hmm. So I don't know any of these movies. Uh, so we're just basically going to go through the casting that we believe are the most important, which we have gotten uh, boiled down to six. And, and these guys are just the people throughout the movie that generally have bigger term, like uh, bigger backstories. Like the main character, obviously, will there's like two main, or I guess three people that you consider like a main character yeah. throughout the film. Yeah. Um, everyone else that we'll be talking about, the other basically three characters are just people who also had bigger roles in the film, mm -hmm. um, especially in terms of backstory and like you know their their killings and who whatever they had to interact with. Yeah. We're just going to talk about their character in the movie or just how they performed in the movie and kind of leave it at that because we don't know a lot of the stuff that they're featured in. 
unless you know it was something mm-hmm. that was an American film. They said that the Japanese reaction to the film in the early 2000s is compared to the British outrage over Clockwork Orange in the 70s. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Those are two different movies. Yeah, no. They said that the film was labeled crude and tasteless. Ah, because of the milk bar. Yes. No, not uh, <laughs> Clockwork Orange, uh, Battle Royale. Yeah, the Battle Royale milk bar. You don't remember that? <laughs> <You> don't <laughs> that remember? milk bar was... You don't remember Katano's milk bar? <laughs> Damn good cookies. Have you seen Clockwork Orange? Not, no. Oh, it's not milk. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> well, actually, it's drugs, I think, that they put in milk. Okay. But it's like, yeah. It's more drugs than milk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that movie's weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great. So uh, there's not, yeah, I don't have a lot of stuff to go on here because this is the first time we've delved into like a super foreign uh, Japanese film. Yeah. So I don't, there's not a lot of stuff that I know besides is, the stuff that I've seen of Battle Royale. Yeah, it is like a, a foreign, it is a foreign film. And probably in terms of like the general population, probably a lesser known horror, I mean, a uh, foreign film. In terms of the horror community, this is very popular. It's spawned really that whole like the whole I call it more of a thriller like I call Belko a thriller yeah I mean back when it came out though I'm assuming it was probably considered a horror movie Right. Nowadays, horrified of it. Yeah. Well, nowadays, in terms of like what's considered or what we can handle as in terms of like gore and like scary things and all that kind of stuff, is completely different. Yeah. Complete. Like this is tame nowadays. Yeah. Like when it came out, everyone was in, it caused an uproar for the whole country or whatever. But nowadays, this is really tame. I think the only. I mean, the only controversial fact about this is still just the fact that it's just like kids killing kids. kids. Killing each other. Yep. And even America's done that now. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> That's true. Four kids to watch. <laughs> Let's talk about our director. All right, here we go. And rolling sound. Quiet. Here we go. Ready. Speed. Speed. 126.7. Ready. And starting right on the lens. Ready. Okay. And, and action. Please forgive us for any pronunciation errors on these names. I'm pretty or... good at Japanese pronunciations. Director Kinji Fukasaku who worked all the way up until his death in 2003, was yeah, born in actually, Nido, Japan. He died right uh, when he, as soon as he started to film the second Battle Royale. He directed, uh, of course, he directed 68 movies, or at least they're under his credit. So he started all the way in 1961 with five films. I honestly wonder if it's easier to sort of get into, like, indie filmmaking in japan maybe because there's a lot of directors in japan that have like a huge filmography the thing is that indie doesn't really work like it works in the west especially in like america i know that with video games with movies i don't actually sure i i'm not sure but he's done stuff from 1961 all the way up until 2003 and he never stopped there's Mm -hmm. no breaks there's no one year 1979, 1996, and 1999 seem to be the only years that he took a break. I kind of wish that he had stopped, like he had just left Battle Royale as the last movie and didn't start making Battle Royale too. Because yeah. having a career that spans literally like up until like from like ni- 19 like 1961, yeah, like 1961 like, to 2000, yeah, is crazy. Yeah, and that'd be the perfect year to just end on. Like, yeah, oh, yeah I'm gonna die now. <laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> So we'll talk about the last three things he did, which were Battle Royale in 2000, uh, Battle Royale 2 in 2003, and he the one video game he worked on in 2002, Clock Tower 3. Yeah. Great horror game. Well, I can't speak for the third one, but the first one. 
Yeah? Very good. What did it come out on? Uh, Super Nintendo. Ah, okay. It's a 2D. You get chased by the Scissorman. The Scissorman? Yeah, it kind of looks like Angus Young. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> but but he has giant, like, hedge clippers. It's actually a really good immersive horror game presented in a 2D space. Like, it's weird. Nice. Uh, I don't know how. It's like a point and click. Okay. But, like, you're still being chased. So Can it, you fight back at all, or did you just run? Not really. <laughs> There's some really cool scenes in that. Honestly, that whole as because like that aspect is starting to become bigger now in horror games, especially with that. Uh, fuck, what was that series that just came out recently? Or I guess not too recently. Um, where you get trapped in like a, you can't you can't fight back. You can only run away. Outlast. Outlast. That's that that game is amazing. Although the ending is terrible. <laughs> Apparently, don't you get to see your dick in that? No, you oh. get to see dicks. Oh, that's cool. Not, your dick. <laughs> I thought you got to see your dick. That's no, you just gonna see a lot of psychopath dick. That's just kind of yeah. swinging in the breeze. <laughs> this is my weapon. A lot of pe- a lot of the people that you see with their dick out do threaten to sexually molest you in that game. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> so this guy has a lot. Like I, it's it's something that I wish I knew a little more about. But he has an incredible resume on him. Yeah. And some of his most popular things came at the very, very end, the less than last five years into his career. He had been, he died at 70, uh, or actually he rather, he died at 63, and he was directing for 33 years of his life. 32. That's a long career. Yeah. Even for like an American director, like, I don't, I don't American directors usually have like, Unless they're like Quentin Tarantino or John Carpenter or something like that, like they have a few, maybe like one or two big films if they're lucky. Yeah, and it's. I wonder if the Japanese film industry is affected the same way the American film industry is because if you if your movie fails in America, you're almost blacklisted for a little while. Like yeah. you can't make a movie for a while. Yeah, unless you you know have certain connections and know people or whatever, or you have you know previous certain successes in the past that you can be based off of. Right. But it's hard to come back from making, like, a complete failure of a movie in America. Yeah. In Japan, I don't know exactly. When you have, like, this many movies, not all of them are going to be successes. No. And, like... But what determines the success? If Battle Royale is his most successful film, how much does that make? Yeah. Not a whole lot. Yeah. But... Especially, I mean, he never even got to see the film be really you successful. Don't, yeah. You don't... Financial success isn't a deal breaker in Japan. In mm. Japan, in Japanese Japan. films, <laughs> Japan. Uh, <laughs> whereas in America, like if you make less than, if you make less than ten grand out of your opening weekend, you're dead on arrival. Yeah, that's kind of the the standard that I've seen. I mean, our film industry is entirely based around money making. Yeah, uh, some films get lucky, and uh, like Godzilla, the original Godzilla, 2014, uh, yeah. that Legendary did, I think, ran away with maybe. It was really low. I think it was actually like, and then you get those. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was like six or not ten thousand, ten million. Sorry. Okay. If if they don't make like more 10. than ten million, they're pretty much dead on arrival. I think Godzilla ran away with maybe like sixty million. Okay. I think it was really low. As long as their earnings are like they, above the production cost. I don't think it made back its cost. Yeah. But it's so weird too hey, in terms of it like, had it had a runaway success with kaiju fans. Yeah. So and it had a, a human story that I actually was like, all right, if we go back to this, I'm not going to be taken out of the movie because yeah. most of the Japanese versions, they're just it's aliens and some 
dumbass little kid on a bike that's smaller than him. Yeah, well, that's more like based around like Japanese culture. You yeah, take that stuff out for America because they're like they're not going to understand any of this. Or you dub it, uh, which yeah. I, you know. Already, so uh, so this movie is actually based on a novel. Yes, uh, written by Koshin Takami, and Koshin Takami has only done Battle Royale and a apparently a remake novel that has been announced but not released. A remake novel? So it sounds like we're actually getting a novel adaptation of the 2000 movie. There's a lot of character changes when it comes to the book and the movie. Yeah. In terms of, like, motivations and uh, what actually happens and what they do in the in the movie. Yeah. But um, I wonder if he's making – like, if he's remaking the book to fit the movie more. Yeah. Because people are more familiar with the movie than the book. It's just a, you know, a, a sale thing. The last thing that Takami was responsible for was in 2004, a TV miniseries called Cold Blood, which is based off a novel called Batoro Rewairu. And that looks like it stars American actors. Uh, but the poster here is, I think, the Spanish poster, Sangre Fria, which cold means blood. Uh, cold blood. <laughs> Sangre Fria. A group of students participate in a student contest that involve murders and inconveniences, which just sounds like Danganronpa. <laughs> Murder and inconveniences. And it starts like Mariano Mar Oh, it's actually I think it actually might be a Spanish film. Isn't every horror movie just filled with inconveniences? No one would die if you if, if it wasn't filled with inconveniences. Right. Uh okay. Cold Blood room, is the translation. Sangre Fria is the actual movie, so it is Spanish. Okay. Interesting. The screenplay for this movie was done by Kenta Fukasaku and also, very, very small, uh, but kind of sounds like a lot of gun stuff is involved. Uh, Battle Royale 2, he actually uh, was the director for. He directed, that was his first movie in 2003. He also yeah, he directed took, a bunch of other stuff. He took over directing after uh, Kenji Fukasaka died. Uh, he directed my favorite movie of all time, 2011's We Can't Change the World, But We Want to Build a School in Cambodia. <laughs> and I think... Kenta Fukusaku is his son? Oh, really? Well, it's Kenji Fukusaku. Oh. And Kenta Fukusaku. <laughs> I think it said that, I think from what I remember, he was working on the second film with his son, and then he died, and then his son took over as director. Oh. Uh, Not 100% sure. Born in 1972, which would make sense. Second unit director or assistant director. Ah! Yes! He is the he son is the of son, Kinji yes. and actress Sanae Nakahara. Who wasn't she in movies? Yeah, she was in a couple movies that Kinji had directed. That happens a lot where directors marry one of the actresses that they've worked yeah. with. That they fuck with? <laughs> no, work with. Well, oh, work with. Well, they fuck also fuck with. <laughs> um, yeah, so his son took over the director for as director for the second movie. Mm-hmm. Uh he wrote the screenplay for uh, Battle Royale, was a writer on Battle Royale 2, also worked on the TV series Marvel Anime, and also the TV miniseries for Blade that came out in 2011. Mm. So let me move on to the producers. So we have a bunch of producers that we can talk about. Uh, Kinji and Kenta Fukusaku both were producers of this movie. Kimio Karaoka. Chie Kobayashi, Toshio Nabishima, and Masumi Okada also were all producers on this film. Mm-hmm. 
I'm sure they have. They all have huge eclectic histories. Oh, and the, and and movie production. <laughs> uh, most of them have a fair amount. A lot of them seem to have started uh, working earlier. Moving on to our cast, we're going to talk about, uh, in our opinion, our big six because holy shit, there are a lot of characters in this movie. And yeah, you were right. There are f- forty-two lo- kids plus plus you know, the soldiers additional. and uh, Katano. Yeah. So we begin with our, uh, our 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 big boy cool guy hero. Not really. He's kind of a he's got kid he, that just wants to live. Yeah, he's more so like the the moral backbone to the story. Like he's the one that's like throughout the whole movie he's not gonna, he's not going to kill anybody. He's not going to kill his friends. Yeah. Um and that is Shuya Nanahara. Yes. So Shuya Nanahara is played by Tetsuya Fujiwara. So his IMDb picture, he's got some nice hair on him, and he was Light Yagami in the live-action Death Note from 2006. Oh, okay. It's not a good movie. <laughs> no, apparently not. And neither was the Netflix version. No, it was a bad movie. Yeah. I mean, anime adaptions in terms of uh, live-action are usually bad. Yeah. I can't think of a single anime adaption that I've seen that w- into a live-action ad- live movie that was good. Uh, do you, I don't know what I'm going to say. So he's still around. He started in 1997, very, very young, uh, doing some Japanese TV series and then ended up going to Battle Royale and, uh, and Battle Royale too. He did the Fist of the North Star TV series, uh, a bunch of other things, Death Note and Death Note The Last Name and also Death Note L Changed the World, which all came out between 06 and 08. That's the big thing with, with Japanese actors is their filmography is usually so mixed between, like, films and anime. Yeah. And, I mean, regardless of whether it's, like, anime or live action. Well, but. he did do a bunch of other stuff later on uh, in the mid-10s mm-hmm. that are uh, anime stuff. He did some Pokemon movies, and he also did a bunch of Rurouni Kenshin stuff. Mm-hmm. He was involved in... Some video games, not a lot. He was actually the voice of Rikia in Yakuza 3. Yeah. He was in uh, Yakuza 6 as well as uh, Yuda Yu Sasami. And he was in Death Note Light Up the New World as Light Yagami. And, man, they they really like making live-action Death Notes. Are they – they're not uh, well-received in Japan now, are they? I don't know. They've they never keep making been, those. They've never been well-received by America. Okay. Um, but I've never really watched a lot of the Japanese live action ones because yeah. they just kind of seem stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like there's stuff that, in an anime that you can't just recreate. <laughs> sure, sure. So, uh, I, his character is, I like his character in this because of the fact that, like, Apparently, he's like, in, every girl in this class wants to fuck this guy. I, <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Every time she runs into another girl on the island, like, they apparently have a crush on him. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. Uh, yeah, everyone loves everybody. So that makes sense that that is a lot of the uh, dialogue. Mm-hmm. But Shuya seems a little... He's got... He's He's... He's got he's a, a ninth-grade body, but he has the, the maturity of, like, an 11th-grader. <laughs> yeah, he has a pretty uh, pretty dark past compared to the uh, – well, maybe 
He does have a very dark past. Compared to most of them, yeah, maybe Mitsuko can kind of... His mother ran away, and his dad uh, killed himself. Yeah. Which I don't... (laughs) But he loved his son. I don't know why they did the suicide scene the way that they did for the dad. Like... With his pants around his ankles <laughs> yeah, and, like, yeah. a bunch of toilet paper around him. It's just like, you can do it, Chuya. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. It's like. I don't know. Why did they have to make it look like it was erotic asphyxiation? Like, <laughs> they wanted to leave that, like, he might have committed suicide. He might have accidentally died while jacking him off. But, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which would have been even more fucked up if he was doing erotic, erotic asphyxiation and he had his son's name just like on toilet paper like across him. <laughs> I don't I know. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he ends up going to uh, an orphanage, which is weird. Like he goes to a foster home where yeah. he meets uh, Nobu. Yeah. But I feel like that's – isn't there like an age limit? They're still within the age. As long it's it's as long as you're under eighteen. Oh, as soon as you're eight, you're eighteen, you go out into the real world on your own. Okay, <laughs> they just kick you out. They just kick you out, and they say, "Start paying taxes, asshole." Basically, okay, <laughs> get a job. Fair enough. You have no family, so go do what you do. <laughs> Imagine that. It's like they you celebrate your birthday, then they kick you out. Yeah, got nowhere to stay. That's I'm sure. I'm sure they probably like help, help you try to like you know find a place, figure out what you're going to be doing afterwards. But yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Enough about this man's sad-ass life. Let's talk about another sad-ass kid. Uh, Aki Maeda plays Noriko Nakagawa. Mm-hmm. She is the uh, the female lead for this movie. Yeah, and she doesn't really have any backstory to her besides, like, the be- like at school. She was kind of bullied a little bit at school, and then that... Uh... Ugly, short, even though they're the same height. Yeah, as... and then she had a kind of... It's not even 100% sure, like, sure whether or not she actually had a previous relationship with Katano. Yeah. Because in the movie, she has, like, a flashback slash dream, which no one is sure is even real. No. Uh, well, she was – the thing was, like, she was the one student who was, like, nice yeah, like, to him. Yeah. Such a little bitch of a teacher. <laughs> He's like, all my students don't like me. Well, my kids <laughs> don't like me. My kids don't like me. So let's just have them kill each other. But then he throws that sick-ass blade. I'm like, I respect this man now. Yeah. he. That, okay, honestly, though, he must have been doing some training beforehand. Yeah. He is just a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. So, well, he left to go train. Maybe. Maybe because they kill his old teacher. He has such teacher. a he has such a solemn face throughout the whole entire. I know. I like movie. him. I like him. He's a good guy. He I want to be his friend and eat ice cream on the river and throw blades at people. Yeah, he honestly does seem kind of likable. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird fucking dude. I want to. I want to know. I want to get to know him. So she, she has the... been in a lot of kaiju films, which mm. is what uh, what rings true to me mm-hmm. so she was in Gamera movies she was in Godzilla movies she was uh, kind of limited to child roles and uh, at the least cameo appearances she was in the uh, original so our we have the good doctor here it's originally a Japanese show yeah she was in. okay oh there's like okay so it's based off of that show yeah okay uh, Gamera 2 and Gamera 3. Gamera 2 being her first uh, acting role in 1996. 
uh, and then four years later, she would do Battle Royale. She was the voice of Yuki in The Cat Returns, which I hear is a, uh, it's a good but not popular Miyazaki film. Okay, yeah. Uh, Battle Royale 2, she returned in, in 2003, and then she did a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean a that, lot of these. That's all. That's what all of these are going to be. A lot of this film of these uh, actors filmography, I'm not familiar with. No, they're all. A lot of them are TV series. Yeah. Uh, but she was in a short called Motherhood in 2019. Uh, it sounds like this is out now, and this is the last thing she's done. Yeah. So nothing, nothing coming out, but she's still around. And I think. It oh, yeah, looks she's like she's also, probably – I don't know if she was on The Good Doctor for just an episode or if she's a recurring character or something, but – I don't know. Kitano – Takeshi Kitano plays Kitano Sensei. Mm-hmm. Which is, I guess, nice that they use his real name. Yeah. Like uh, Tony Danza being Tony in every show he's in. He's busy as well. He's still doing stuff in 2019, but you can go all the way back to 1969 – to his first role, which is uncredited, in Go Go Second Time Virgin. <laughs> and, Second Time Virgin. Yeah, so after 1969, he actually doesn't do anything until 1980. And then he starts getting that work. And it looks like most famously, Battle Royale is not uh, his most popular role, but rather The Blind Swordsman, yeah. Zatoichi, he, uh, where he, he is, I think, the main the- character. He was in the 2017 live action Ghost in the Shell. Oh, wait. The, the one, the one, one with ScarJo? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, hey, they got a Japanese guy in there. He is Toro Hirose in uh, Yakuza 6. Which uh, connection with Nanahara. Nanahara was also in uh, the Yakuza 6. Yeah. His alternate name is Beat Takeshi. His alternate name? Like like a nickname, like RDJ. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I forget why people call him Beat Takeshi, but I've definitely heard that name. I did not know that this was him. Uh, he has a bunch of self-credits. He has 115 self-credits. Does have some directing credits, and he also has some writing credits, but uh, and mostly for screenplays. But acting is where he lies with 68 whopping credits. You said that he was most known for The Blind Swordsman? Yeah, he played the main character, Zedoichi. He, uh, he wrote the screenplay for that, too. Oh. Yeah, I want to act in my own movie. Yeah. I love those movies. It's, like, written by, directed by. I don't know by. what this movie, Sonatine, is, but I, I really that. like its poster because it kind of looks like uh, Evangelion's second impact. <laughs> Several Yakuza from Tokyo are sent to Okinawa to help end a gang war. The war escalates, and the Tokyo drifters decide to lay low at the beach. And that is the plot. And it's directed by him. Kind of sounds like uh, I think Beat Takeshi movies are uh, held to a high standard. That's probably why I've heard that name before. Okay. So our our two main characters and our uh, our teacher are pseudo antagonist because he's just not really doing much. He actually kind of becomes a protagonist towards the end. Uh, we're going to talk about now uh one additional student and the two transfer students mm-hmm. starting with the two transfer students Taro Yamamoto plays Shogo Kawada yes and he is sort of i would say probably like the third what i would consider like a main character in this movie although he doesn't really become like a main character until like halfway through yeah um cuz then he joins up with the with Nanahara and uh Nakagawa mm-hmm. 
he did. Uh, but I love he. I love this character, especially his thought. Yeah, I thought he was gonna be like as antagonizing as the other guy. Yeah, but he wasn't. Yeah, I mean they did throw them in there to kind of like switch stuff up. Yeah. So, uh, but I love how his his dad. He keeps changing his dad's yeah, profession. His dad was fucking a renaissance man. His dad was, was a, a doctor, fisherman, a, cook, a chef, a <laughs> doctor. So many. Oh, man. Uh, so he began his career in 94 with Bakumatsu Kokosei, a TV miniseries, and did a bunch of stuff still uh, up until 2015. So he actually hasn't worked in about four years uh, as an actor. He does have a bunch of self-credits, some of them actually a video doc that released this year and something that's in post-production, which is also a documentary. So mostly another TV series guy with some occasional movie roles. Some of the more recent stuff have been movie roles. Yes. So, yeah, I really liked – I like that he didn't – he was like a force to be reckoned with. but. He wasn't a like, he wasn't antagonizing. Yeah, I mean, he generally he like, became a protector, sort of. He wanted to survive, but he also wanted to help people. Yeah, very strange. His father helped people. His as father a, did fucking as, something as a, <laughs> like, as a football playing uh, king in space. Yeah. <laughs> Masanobu Ando plays Kazuo Kiriyama, the other transfer student. Edgy fucking motherfucker. love this guy. Yeah, I, I figured he doesn't talk. No, throughout he, the whole movie. So apparently uh, he doesn't have lines, so he appears to be uh, – his character is supposed to be mute or that he – that it's supposed to be left up in the air that he could be a mute. I don't think he – I mean this is just my personal opinion. I don't think he is a mute. I think it's just because he doesn't have like, – he's the one in the movie. They said he's the only one person that volunteered to go. Uh, he is in something called 69. That's my interest. Mm-hmm. He was – it, most recently in a movie called Day and Night and in a TV series called Cheers to the Miki Clinic. And I believe he plays the main character, Shoichiro Miki, because his name is in the title. So, And Code Blue the movie. Don't know what that is either. Code Blue? Code Blue the movie. Uh, helicopter doctor team is back with perfect hair, Helicop- perfect skin, and perfect body. And helicopter ready to take- doctor team? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so they're good. The, the show is that they're really handsome. The don't. synopsis says the helicopter doctor team is back with perfect hair, perfect skin, and perfect body, ready to take on expected and unexpected disasters. It'd be hilarious if they were bad doctors. <laughs> yeah, that would be. <laughs> like, they just keep killing people, but it's like, oh, I'm just so beautiful. Like, shittier Baywatch. <laughs> yeah. They're competent at other jobs, but they love to look at themselves. <laughs> so you were a big fan of him? Oh, he was great. So apparently, looking at some of this stuff... Uh, some of these videos that are attached to when I looked up his name, he it looks like he's Japan's Bill Paxton. Really? As in, he dies in a lot of movies. Oh, okay. I mean, he stayed alive throughout like 99% of those movies. So does Bill Paxton. Yeah. But then again, basically everyone died in this Yeah, movie. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he, out, he, he outlived Bill Paxton, so he won in the game of life. <laughs> I mean, he's only 44, but... Yeah. This this guy was able to create a character that was both creepy and intriguing without saying a single word throughout the movie. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's true. Lastly, Mitsuko Soma, the one main antagonist student 
in the class. She's like the female version of the crazy transfer student. <laughs> Basically, is played by Koshiba Saki, who, again, we're looking at someone who, uh, or Ko, rather. Uh, mm-hmm. She actually has an alternative name as Koshiba Saki, which is K-O with a uh, accent mark over the O, because I believe that's the correct pronunciation. Yeah. And She's I think it's done. it's her and that that what's I was what's the crazy transfer student's name? I oh, uh, lost track of his name. Kira, uh, Kiriyama, Kazuo Kiriyama. Kiriyama. Yep. Okay. She, I think I don't know who had a bigger body count, her or Kiriyama. Kiriyama <laughs> by well, I doubt Kiriyama. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it showed like random scenes where she was like kind of walking away from the bodies that she had killed. Only one. Which I didn't know what that was about. The two in the bathhouse? Ba- yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I want to take it as like she like took their clothes because like maybe hers were all Or maybe blade. they were just bathing like normally. There's no water <laughs> in that bath and I don't know what the fuck. Stop. They're dead. <laughs> They're dead. They're in a bathhouse. They have no clothes on. But it, I did. It, Except for skin colored underwear. Yeah, she did put on like what looked like fresher looking clothes like when she was walking out. Yeah. So I, I, I want to believe that it wasn't a gangbang and then she killed them and that it was like she killed them and just took their clothes and left. That's what I want to believe. <laughs> That's what happened. That's definitely <laughs> what happened. So Battle Royale was uh, one year into her acting career. She started in 1999 with a couple TV series, and then she went she she went right into crazy violence. Yeah, she has done most She's TV good series, at crazy violence, man. Uh, all the way up until today, where she is on a show called The House on the Slope, and she does do a bunch of movies in between. She did uh, a lot of stuff between 2004 and 2010 that were feature length, mm-hmm. including being the narrator for Fist of the North Star, New Savior Legend, which came out in 06. That's all I got to say about her. Yeah. So that's our cast. Uh, well, that's our cast of people who are of importance. Yes. And there are plenty of people who have time to talk in the movie, but they that's, all die at the end. And mostly everybody dies at the end. So. Yeah, we could talk about the hacking group that we kind of keep up with occasionally. Their entire story was pointless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only to get fucking massacred by Kiriyama. All right, so let's get into this movie, shall we? Well, let's. Do you want to oh, talk about the sound? Yes. <laughs> I I didn't even realize early, and then I forgot. I didn't <laughs> even realize your scally cap and your uh, black and white striped shirt. You look like you're fresh out of like 1950s English prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the look. It's accurate. I like the look.
The soundtrack is done by Masamichi Amano. Yes. Who did the soundtrack for uh, not just Battle Royale, but also Django Unchained. Yeah. And she has worked in anime as well. She has done the soundtrack for uh, Berserk, mm-hmm. Attack on Titan. Um, she, she worked on Shin Godzilla. Yeah. You said Berserk, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she worked on Maggie, Kingdom of Magic, which is an amazing anime. Oh, really? Onimusha um, 3, uh, which is a video game. Uh, Bleach, the movie Hellverse, uh, Berserk Golden Age Arc 1 and 2 back in 2012, Evangelion 3.0. Berserk Golden Age Arc 3. Yep. And then in terms of soundtracks, uh, she really has three credits to her. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. Yeah. Good-ass game. Man, I miss fucking... I miss release game Wii games. They were so fun. Yeah. We play tanks, man. Those wooden tanks. Oh, dude. So she's yeah conductor... On uh, Battle Royale. So she works primarily in orchestrated music mm-hmm. as compared to what we're used to, which is mostly kind of digital. Yeah. Which is uh, it's something different, but it's really cool. Usually done by... She's a musician here, through and through. She seems like most of her work is through... Yeah. 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 Which I'm not surprised by. Yeah. Um, The music in this is great. Yeah. It really yeah. sets the tone. Yeah. And you hear it, you know, whereas like, let's say Belco and The Purge, it is just kind of provides ambience. Mm-hmm. Running Man definitely had a soundtrack that was yes. super 80s. But this one is like the thing about this compared to the Running Man's 80s for like because it's the 80s and it's an action movie. Mm-hmm. And it's at the height of like movies like Over the Top, Robocop, Predator, where they were just like action. This provides an audible uh stake to the movie yeah the 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 soundtrack is part of the movie and and it moves the movie along whereas the running man it just kind of provides uh, or like the purge it really just it's momentary basis yeah like uh it'll give you there's not really much like music in the movie it's more like the the sounds are trying to give you a feeling of what's about to happen and belco which had stuff that were actually like they were there to be like significant plot indicators yeah when you think of the Belco Experiment soundtrack, you think of all of the Spanish covers mm-hmm. of California Dreamin' yeah. and I Will Survive, which aren't really done by Tyler Bates. But Amano's stuff, it's good. Yes. Actually made me feel a little bit for when uh, Kawada died. Yeah. Like, on the boat. Finally figured it out. And then you and fade out on the boat, and then... You become a terrorist. (laughs) Well, we are going to get to that, so let's start with the movie. Yep. Let's do it. So the beginning of the movie is really just kind of giving you a feel of 
what's going on in Japan, like what is the BR Act, which is the Battle Royale Act. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basic, basically that there are thousands of students that are refusing to go to school. The kind of economy is upon is going to collapse. The youth has lost all respect for the older older generation. Correct. Which is such a strange plot to have for like in Japan, considering that like the elderly are held to such praise, like in Japan. Yeah. Because I mean, over fifty percent of the population is over sixty-seven. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just want to say, I just want to make a, a, a want to kind of the same thing we did with the Orion logo for Belco. Holy shit. Toei Productions logo is so fucking bad. No, it's awesome. The fucking is with the I'm used to seeing it with like the weird fucking uh like lion looking thing. No, Toei uh with the with with the music and then oh. the try and it, the waves crashing yeah. and the waves go over the logo. Yeah. This oh it's so good. That's I love Japanese Toho's is a good one too, but mm. it's simple. This is so much better. It's oh. Because it goes with the movie, too, that they're on that yeah. island. Right? And then let's also just establish the fact that before this, it gives you kind of a, a, a warning for the age limit. This movie's yeah. rated R, but in Japan, rated R is under 15. Well, it's R15, so I don't know if the R stands for, like, generally what we have as, like, what R means. Like, they might have R in front of, it, like, everything, like R15, R12, whatever for the movie, but... Yeah, yeah it, it's weird, especially that this movie, when it came out, caused such controversy in Japan that they were like, yeah, 15-year-olds can see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The exact age of the people that are killing each other in the movie, yeah, they yeah. see it. <laughs> they, they won't get any inspiration from this, I'm sure. We get a very elaborate uh, intro. Yeah, at the dawn of the millennium, the nation collapsed. At 15% unemployment, 10 million were out of work, which, by the way, of work, they didn't space out. So it says, of work. Yeah, <laughs> and I love how, like, they, they they go into the whole thing about the BR Act of how that was passed by the government, but when the kids get first get pulled into the classroom to, like, explain to them, or, like, and he tells them, like, the BR Act, he writes it on the wall. Yeah. And he's like, do you know what this is? And, like, nobody has any clue. No. Like, how does an entire generation have no idea that there's a law passed that they all have to kill each other? Because, Ryan, <laughs> 800,000 students boycotted school and juvenile crime rates soared. But they were at school. They got 800,000. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, there's 800,000 kids that don't go to school, and the ones that actually have a class are the ones that get picked. Because <laughs> they feel like it. <laughs> I don't know. They eventually passed the Millennium Educational Reform Act, which means send them to an island to kill each other. Yeah. How do they learn from that? How do they bring... Can't, you bring down the crime rate, but killing all the criminals. All you're doing is creating one major psychopath every game. <laughs> like, Yeah, but one major psychopath that is a, a problem and a menace to society is better than 40 students who didn't show up to class, Ryan. Don't you understand? I No. <laughs> no me neither. <laughs> let's talk about that. Let's talk about the fucked up girl at the beginning of this. Yes. So Zenzuji, Zensuji Middle School Class E was chosen. Uh, from 43,000 ninth grade classes, uh, I guess in Japan, middle school is longer than ours because in middle school, typically in American public school, for any international listeners, is grades 6 to 8. Mm-hmm. And then grades 9 to 12 is considered high school. Yeah. Or middle school is also junior high here. So uh, she 
gets uh, delivered back to back off the island for, uh, with the soldiers, and everyone's trying to like and it get seems coverage. Like she's the winner of the previous game. Yeah, like the she, one right before the the one we're about to watch. Yes, and she's clutching a bloody doll and she's smiling like the ring girl. And the crazy thing is, is that or it doesn't grudge. seem like it doesn't seem like throughout the movie that this is being broadcast in any way. Like it's yeah. not a TV show for like Japan to watch. Yeah, but they still like announce like the winner of the game at the end. Mm-hmm. I guess. We get this intro with all the cool Japanese gra- I love I just love Japanese movies with their logo. They're all like it's it almost feels like a film standard of theirs mm-hmm. where it's like big blocky Japanese look characters of like the title of the movie with an English accompaniment. They're yeah. just they're zooming all over the screen. They're all yeah. big zoom. I think I don't know, and Godzilla the does movie, that. Throughout the movie they also have those little like where the, the little phrases will pop up. Yeah. The, like of moments of significance. Yeah. Uh, we get a picture of Katano's class B mm-hmm. with all of our students, and we kind of learn the story of Katano first. Uh, but we're also presented La Nakagawa, Nobu, uh, you don't, Shuya. Yeah, and, and Katano's kind of character isn't truly really revealed until like towards the end. Yeah, um, you do know in the beginning of the movie that he really just isn't like respected as a teacher. Yeah, um, he gets fucking stabbed in the leg yeah. by one of his students. Yeah, <laughs> and he's not allowed to get angry at it. So we are introduced to Shuya's story first, where he finds out uh, that his dad killed himself through maybe autoerotic asphyxiation. He has an outlet. He didn't shock himself, but he did take an outlet and strangle himself Which with it. somehow the outlet's on the ceiling? Yeah. <laughs> like, huh. Let's plug the fan in. I don't know. Yeah, his pants are down. I don't... It looks like he woke up in the morning and then killed himself. But like, like halfway got dressed and was like, fuck it, I'm not doing okay. it today. <laughs> like, Stupid. And scrawled on toilet paper, going down his neck all the way down to the floor, are these messages. Because he did care about his son. Yeah. Uh, and, but he did not believe that he did anything to help him. Yeah, he didn't believe in himself at all. He's like, I haven't taught you yeah. anything. He's like. Yeah. So he, it says, like, go Shuya. You can do it, Shuya. And Shuya, uh, on reaction, goes to uh, throw up in the toilet. Yeah. Katano is in his class reading a note uh, while Shuya is monologuing about basically, like, his class. Mm-hmm. And Nakagawa comes in and she says, sorry, I'm late. What's going on? And he's just sitting on the desk. Katano is the teacher. Mm-hmm. And it says, taking taking the day off class because we want to. And it's signed class B. With just a giant X on the board. <laughs> yes, with just a giant X on the board. And he just seems... Uh, kind of. He seems kind of let down. He seems let down, but he also... There's a, there's a disturbing content to his face uh-huh. that, it, that is not shaken throughout this movie. Yeah, he literally has... It's not even like resting bitch face. It's like no, yeah, <laughs> resting sad face. Yeah, yeah, RSF. He just seems like in a depre- like in a constant state of depression throughout this whole movie. Sorta, yeah. We don't know what his deal is. He's not disturbed to any degree. He's just lonely, and it's it's so hard to explain because his main motivation is kind of the fact that he used to like he used to release his anger. Basically by beating by students, students. Into submission. Yeah. Now he can't even get angry now, if someone stabs him in the fucking leg. I mean, that I could understand. But just being sad over the fact that the society has changed and you can't just, like, beat kids yeah. into, like, being good. That is why I love this guy. Yeah. He's like, we need to bring the good old days back. 
when a kid didn't do their homework, I could just bitch slap him across the table. Like, I love this man. <laughs> I want him to be my father. Yeah. So he walks out of the classroom, and Nobu comes out from another classroom and slashes him in the ass. Yeah, like across the back of his leg. Yeah. And uh, Nobu is a close friend of uh, Shuya. And also a uh, a a love interest of Nakagawa. Um, it seems like Nakagawa likes Shuya, but um, Nobu has always had a crush on Nakagawa. Yeah. yeah. So he just kind of there's just like a faucet out in the hall, mm-hmm. and he's just he just gets up, starts washing like his wound. Yeah, even after being stabbed, this guy has no expressions. <laughs> like, yeah. just he's not even like concerned. Nope. <laughs> Uh, no expression. She she's holding the knife behind her back because Nobu just kind of handed it to her, shoved it on her when I he ran think away. He dropped it, and then she like quick picked it up and like yeah. hit it behind her. But like I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why either. And in the special edition, in the requiem, it does go like it, we it do find a, out what significance there is to that to her, kind of. But we're still not sure whether or not that was a, something that actually happened or if it was just a dream. Sure. Because oh no yeah well it was a dream but it also explains why she did it it explains that she kind of has it's weird because it kind of it, it, it's left up for interpretation whether or not she has a friendship or a romantic relationship with Katano I think it's a friendship she like has a deep respect for him I think she yeah, I think it's more like she has a respect for him as a teacher he maybe has like feelings for her I don't think so I know it's that sounds, ending though <laughs> what am I what's an adult supposed to say to a kid I know I know. I can't – I really don't want to think that absolutely everything has a sexual, like, reason behind it in this movie because guess what? A lot of the things in this movie have a sexual They're reason sexually motivated. <laughs> These kids are horny as shit on this island. Uh, yeah. Especially – well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you tried to reason with yourself and you were like, nope. Uh, we now get high school musical, uh, the basketball scene. And you get – so I don't know in terms of – because, like, in America – Sports in um in like in school are you know they're a team team building thing you you know get closer with your classmates whatever I don't know if in Japan it almost seems like all the boys were like on the team or at least it seemed like most like of the, it seemed like the boys thing. didn't have any click problems yeah the basketball like, team was like a lot I don't know if every boy that was not all of them but most of the like main character boys were in the basketball team. And it's a flashback sequence that we go to, like, frequently throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And it sort of kind of symbolizes just, like, their friendship and how tight they used to be. Yeah. Especially as a school, because it kind of shows, like, it shows the boys playing basketball, and then it shows a lot of the girls in the class are either, you know, cheerleaders or in the stands cheering them on or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it's the one sequence that you kind of go to where, like, everybody in the class is together. Mm-hmm. And kind of getting along. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Everyone's hanging out on the bus. There's no, there's no real issues. Uh, people still, even some of the females, like they still have their friends. Like uh, Nakagawa still has Megumi, mm-hmm. and they're on the bus. And uh, Shuya and the new teacher, because Katano doesn't work at the school anymore. Uh, as they're going by, they're noticing these uh, trucks with military personnel, yes. and. It raises concern to Shuya and the new teacher, but they kind of both just get distracted immediately, and they think nothing of it. And and it seems like the class really likes the new teacher. Yeah, is, they're like playing some weird game with them. I wonder if that's Stop. why Katano killed him. <laughs> oh, maybe. Well, no, he killed him because he did not like the BR act. 
Yeah, but what was he going to do about it? <laughs> Kill him. So Nakagawa gives uh, Shuya cookies, right? Like a bag of cookies. Yeah. And they take Megumi has a, a, a Polaroid, and they're taking pictures. So it's weird how they did this because I th- at first I thought that somehow the cookies were drugged and, like, everybody had a cookie and they all passed out. No, everyone just fell asleep at the same time. But it was like, no, because when they woke up, they must have been gassed. Because when they yeah. woke up, everyone was wearing gas masks, like, on the thing, and everyone was, like, passed out. Yeah. Um, um, so he, for some reason, like, crawled, like, to try to get the cookies. <laughs> maybe? I don't know. So Megumi takes a picture of Nakagawa, Nobu, and Shuya, and she prints out the thing. Uh, she Well, she she tells, like, Nobu, like, eat them. Or Shuya does. Yeah. And they're all kind of nice. They're all kind of being friendly and not really flirty, but just, like, all friendly with each other. And the picture gets developed, and Nobu's, like, half in it. Yeah. And it's like, ha, ha, funny Japanese kids. Now we're in a dark-ass tunnel. <laughs> like, this happens immediately, right? And Shuya wakes up. Uh and he notices that like he's everybody everybody is passed out and the driver and some other personnel on the bus have gas masks on mm-hmm. and he is he's like struggling to get up so i which kind of leads me to believe that they've all been drugged or gassed drugged or, or gassed yeah and she goes to grab the the cookies and then the woman turns around and she's like oh no <laughs> motherfucker got out yeah it, she has like a fan of some sort it's almost, I wonder if it's, like, a small kind of, like, baton. Maybe. I don't know. She hits him over the head or something. Yeah, knocks, knocks him the him fuck out. out. <laughs> and they wake up in a classroom in a school on this on this island, this mm-hmm. island that is uh, abandoned, deserted, rather, or mm-hmm. evacuated, uh, which they mention. Which they mention that it's a deserted island, but then they also mention that it's a, they evacuated the population. So it's not really deserted. It was, like, a forced abandonment. Yeah, I'm guessing it was, like, when the BR Act was first initiated, there was probably people living on the island. Yeah. And then they kicked them off, and now it's just a deserted island they use for killing people. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's still houses. Like, there's yeah, evidence there's of houses the, there, the obviously. Yeah, hospital and factory buildings. And so stuff. they wake up to find that they all have these collars on their necks. Mm-hmm. Uh, very similar to Belco, where they had the tags in the back of their heads. Except these are a little more stylish. <laughs> a little more stylish. Kind of like digital watches, like pacemakers for your neck. Yeah. And they keep track of the pulse. Mm-hmm. And your location. And your location. They are, they're essentially trackers that the military will use to track them when they get sent out to the island to kill each other. But they don't know this yet. And these, uh, was it these these necklaces... They're even like more extreme than like a like if it had just exploded your head. Yeah, because it ex- like it explodes like their neck. Yeah, like all of a sudden it's just like a pop, and then like the full portion of the yeah. It's of their not neck like a gone. complete head explosion. It's just like really bloodied up. Yeah, you know, it's like a detonator that doesn't really penetrate. It's just something to, yeah. <laughs> I made a penetrate. I said the penetration. They find in two corners of the classroom two weird strangers, one of which is Kawada. The other is uh, Kiriyama. Yeah, they're both just kind of – they're both sitting across from each other on, like, opposite ends of the classroom, like, sitting on top of the desk. On the desk, yeah. yeah. And they're both looking very uh, – I mean, Kiriyama obviously is a little more of the weird kind of guy. And Kawada yeah. is just, like, the hard, grizzled, like – He's just there. I'll kick your fucking ass yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of dude. And they go to open the curtains oh. to find this blinding helicopter. I was wrong. 
Um, you're wrong. What was it? You literally just said his name and I forgot it. Kawana? No, the other guy. Kiriyama. Kiriyama. He does talk in the movie. He does. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to it, but he speaks once. He speaks once. I'm trying to think of when that is. It has <laughs> to be when it, he fights coming up. Mitsuko. No, it's coming up soon. Okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, they're all in like this this small ass classroom. It, 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 the school is in a complete like state of destruction, but it seems like I don't know. It's, it's an abandoned military. school. Yeah, it's an abandoned school that has become. It kind of feels like a military training facility. Yeah. The military, the open door opens up and the military starts filing in. Yeah, with Katana, who comes out of the helicopter that lands with yeah. the blinding-ass lights. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's in, like, full gym clothes, tells everybody to sit down, and he starts going through this whole kind of spiel. He writes BR Act on the wall, and he's like, does anybody know what this is? Yeah. And nobody has any clue. No one has any clue. <laughs> Which I still don't understand. How can your country have a law that requires... Requires you to kill each other. Yeah. And you don't even know about it. Hey, it's me from seventh grade. I'm gonna take over class B again, and we're all gonna be friends, and it's gonna be a great time. And these are the you know two people. We got two transfer students, Kawada and Kiriyama. Kiriyama looking like he literally straight, came straight out of Death Note. I love his hair. <laughs> He's got great hair, dude. Japanese, they got great hair. They yeah. got great hair. It's thick. It's it is thick. To, like I guess if you want to like spike it up like that, it's easier. Yeah. So there, everyone's confused, asking where the hell we are. And Katano asks, uh, he writes BR, the BR Act, mm-hmm. and says, do you know about this law? And everyone's kind of just looking confused like they don't know. And he says, no, that's it's no good. It's no good. So he starts throwing, he throws chalk at someone who's whispering. And yeah. it starts to escalate. It starts uh, to like, ramp up slowly. Like They don't know what's going on. And what is it? It was, I forget who was whispering in the background. He th- tosses a piece of chalk at her yeah. and doesn't she run at him yeah like that like, hurt <laughs> yeah like don't don't hit me yeah so he starts talking to Konanobu, telling him basically that he was a failure he told him not to he told him to stop attending school and then eventually he did and then he told him that wasn't a good idea yeah which is very confusing and now he's back just for the class trip which we find out later he didn't come back just for the class trip he came just for the class trip because nakagawa asked him to come mm-hmm because he's crushing. And then he makes a face, and then Katano straight punches him in the back of the head. Yeah. He, Which probably felt great for him. He's like, yeah, the good old days are back. So he says, like, because of you, people, you goddamn millennials. It's, he's basically like, because of, every, you know, because of people like Nobu, our country is going down the shitter. Yeah. And that's why we have to have this law. This BR Act. So today's lesson, you kill each other off until there's one of you left. The original, remember... I love the the video he puts in. Yeah. The Battle Royale. We have why do we have these things like PUBG and Fortnite and everything that's called Battle Royale? Yeah. Because you send a bunch of people down on an island and you kill until there's one left. Mm-hmm. This movie started that. Started for, through transitive property and a lot of degrees of not thinking about other inspirations. Battle Royale created Fortnite. Man. <laughs> I know. But no one's Katano doesn't you know do the floss of the default dance, but that would be sick. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is technically still a bunch of kids killing each other, but it's digital characters, right? So the the old younger teacher uh, Hayashida mm-hmm. was not he wasn't a fan of the BR Act, and he was also super opposed to Class B being chosen because it was his class. Yeah. So they selected Class B, and then they also killed him, and they showed 
the class his dead body. Yeah, they rolled him out onto like on, like he was on like a gurney. Yeah, yeah, and they had him covered up in a towel, and they just took it off, and he's all bloodied up. And they're like, "Oh God!" And he's like, "See, now you know we're not fucking around." <laughs> right, right. So he goes, "Time to watch the video. Don't fall asleep." And just on the CRT, and I love the this video. video. Yeah, this is so so Japan. Dis- this uh, yeah, it's so like weird dystopian Japan because she's like a host, but also it's like. She's all happy and she's like, ah, and then when we get to the end of the video where she's calling out names, she's just like, Shuya. <laughs> yeah. She's got the like the like kind of like the military uniform on, uh, but style styled. She has. Like, she's like more she's like Cadet Kelly. On. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> exactly how I would put it. Oh man, I love um, Cadet Kelly. <laughs> Katano's reaction to the film, though, because I mean, to the, the, the yeah, video he puts the, on, he's so good to us. He's yeah. the only one reacting to it because she's like, you know, like hello everybody, and he's like, even still with the face, yeah, he's like hello, like he, yeah, I love it. And he remember he says say hi everybody, and yeah. he just kind of looks, and no one says anything. He looks back. He, yep. The, I this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie just because of his him in this part. In it's this like part. that tension of it's almost like you can kind of see how crazy he's become. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, you have been brought to this uninhabited island. They give you basically, like, the area of it, and they show that there are multiple areas. It's The island is set up, is split up into sections. Yes. And uh, they said, it was, it, was it every hour the sections change, or every, like, half? Like, so, every... There's... At 6 a.m., at 12... 6 and 12 a.m. and p.m., mm-hmm. they would come out and say, here's who's died, and here are the zones. T- take a look on your map, uh, and uh, these are the zones to get away from because at a certain hour, if usually seen... it's one or two hours after they announce it, yeah, uh, they will just start detonating the collars if you're in the area. It's the exact same thing as, like, Hunger Games, yeah. how they had, like, the specific areas that were danger zones. Yeah. Um, Which they call them danger zones in this, too. Yeah. So... Little Fujiyoshi starts talking, and uh, Katano's like, Fujiyoshi, I said no whispering. And he just takes out, like, a kunai or something and throws it dead at her fucking head. Or it's actually, like, more like a small knife. Yeah. Uh, Not the same knife that he was stabbed with by uh, Nobu, Mm -hmm. but just some other knife. And, yeah, it goes right through her forehead. She has kind of like like a stun into, like, she's dead. Like, and that goes every, right through her brain. Everyone freaks out. Yeah, everyone freaks out. He goes, sorry, this- it's against the rules for me to kill, isn't it? Yeah. So they all start panicking and running, trying to run and escape. And for some reason, the military's idea to get them back is to start- just all point their guns at the ceiling and just start firing blindly and then point at the floor and start firing blindly. Yeah. And uh, that doesn't exactly <laughs> calm everyone down. <laughs> no. Katano is smiling at this yeah. point. The one smile you get from him. And he, uh, Nobu, right, goes to uh, basically, because he, Norco gets shoved, and he's like, you asshole, and he goes after Katano. Katano just kind of pushes him back, takes out his knife, and slashes him in the back of the leg, just like he did Katano. And then some military guy's like, I want some of it too, and he just grabs him and knocks him on his ass (laughs) and punches him. And... Now these kids are starting to come to the realization that they are in the shit. In the shit. And Katano, totally cool, is just like, all right, back to the video. Which is completely crazy how cool he is with all this because it doesn't seem like this is his first time participating in this. Yeah. At least I think. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm assuming that it's 
you know, the teacher for their class that kind of holds like these kind of things. Yeah. Um, but he fucking has Stone Cold Killer right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Now, this game, compared to Belco or something else, is actually relatively fair. Yeah. They they give you plenty of time to get out of a thing. They tell you how long they're going to be dangerous for until it's safe to go back. Just be the last You have a time limit. You have three days to be the last one standing. Mm-hmm. But it's still relatively lenient in its rules. Yes, especially um, when we get to their uh, equipment, because mm-hmm. that comes into a big play. Yes. In, um, what they do. Yes. So now we start talking about the college, which the host also hands on. Yes. She's like, they're waterproof and they're shockproof, and you can't get them off. And we also find out later they're also mic'd and they can hear everything they're saying. Uh, if you're still in a danger area and the time runs out, or you're doing something naughty, because they're horny, <laughs> uh, they send the signal. It gives a beep, and then it blows up and kills you. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing in terms of, like, naughty, he means, like, probably trying to get the collar off or something like that. Oh, I thought it was they were having sex. Because it tracks their pulse. I mean, you know what I mean? Which, I guess, you I mean, can't... the bathhouse scene. Yeah, you're no, right. You're right. There. You're right. <laughs> but then again, we also don't know if anyone had sex, so... Because I'm trying to think, right? Shigusa was jogging, mm-hmm. which that's going to get your pulse to beat. Mm-hmm. But maybe they didn't. Know, they knew she wasn't having sex because, like, well, cause they could track her running. They track her on the map, yeah. So they know. So I, I literally took it at face value as like, oh, they're doing naughty things. But you know what? You're probably right. It's actually just them trying to take the collar off. Now I'm the one who's thinking everything's sexual, <laughs> and this is the least sexual thing. Don't take the collar off. Keep the collar on. <laughs> the safe word is. We need to just put that stuff. In a closet and close it because yeah. this is a movie about kids killing each other. Yeah, and then Nobu's like, "You, you can't, you, you can't, can't do, do this that. stuff." And then some of the students are actually like, "Shut up! I can't hear the video about how to kill all of the people in this room." Yeah, people are trying to take it seriously. Yeah, um, and then sort of as like a demonstration of what the caller does. Yeah, he activates Nobu's necklace. Yeah, and he literally. Just starts running around the room. Mm-hmm. Like, he's screaming, help me, to, like, everybody. Like, his – it it starts off as, like, you know, the the speed of the, the beeping mm-hmm. starts to, or the, starts to speed up as it's getting closer to explosion. Yeah. And, like, everyone's frantic. He's fucking running around the they're room. Running around trying and to get people to help him, and they're shoving him away because you know, they'll blow up. And, and yeah. Katana's like, better run, guys. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, what is it, Nanahara, who is best friends with Nobu, is basically, he's the last one that he goes to. And he's like, I don't want to, he's like, I don't want to die. He's like, "Um, what's going to happen? And then he kind of, he, I think he knew, so he, he backs away from Nanahara. He's like in the middle of the room and then all of a sudden, yeah, throat explodes. Yeah. Blood everywhere. (laughs) Blood everywhere. He's got a bloody ass. He's got a bloody neck. uh, And he's dead. Nobu is dead. He's the second one to go. Uh, which leaves 40 left, and the game hasn't even started yet. Mm-hmm. And the last thing that he, he grabs from him that was in his hand is the bloodied picture of Shuya, Nakagawa, and Nobu. And we get, right before we start getting the end of the video and the names getting called, we get our first kind of flashback vignette mm-hmm. uh, after Nobu dies, which is... Is it them in their room together? It's kind of them in their room, Um and it's like, you know, do you have a crush on anybody? Nobu admits that Nakagawa is, like, the person he's crushing on. And well, she Nobu... invited him out to the class trip. And uh, Shuya doesn't really think about it any sort of way. 
besides like, oh yeah, she's nice. Shuya doesn't seem to really have like a full on attraction to one girl in this movie. No. Like it, it kind of seems like he does, he is attracted and does have like maybe a crush on Akagawa, but it's more of a sense of like protecting her because of, you know, Nobu, uh, Nobu loved her. Yeah. Uh, per Nobu's favor. But it's like anytime any girl asks him, like if, if, if or anybody asks him in this movie, like if he likes somebody, he's like, why? <laughs> yeah. Do you like me? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and then people start asking questions, right? Uh, can I go home after that, after I kill everybody? He's like, yeah. If you're the last one standing. If you're the last one standing and everyone else is dead, you can. Uh, other people. And this is like a normal class now. He's just like, yeah. Like, go go for it, bro. Uh, why why were we chosen by random selection? Uh, and why are you doing this? And he goes, it's your own damn fault. Yeah. I mean, it's basically what it says is that it was like random selection. Yeah. But uh, they were chosen. I don't even know if like. Are they the same class that skipped out? Yes. Okay. This is class B. Okay. Yeah, because it's actually signed class B on the yeah. chalkboard. So, the funny thing is, is it doesn't seem like – it seems like at least nowadays all of them except for Nobu are going to school. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. So you're given a bag of water, food, uh, a map, compass, flashlight, and a weapon. And every weapon is going to be different. Some of them are going to be better than others. Like, not everybody's just getting, like, a gun. Some people are getting guns. Some people are getting knives. Some people are getting axes, hatchets, uh, tin pots, and binoculars. <laughs> or a fucking crossbow. Which is dope. Which is dope. Which, that crossbow really annoys me throughout the movie. Because you never see it get loaded. It's just always loaded. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so then she's like, I want to hear a nice big here and we're going to call your name and then you go get your stuff and then you go. Like the first three people say here and then everyone else yeah. stops. And the first uh, person to go is Akamatsu, the fat kid. Yeah. The, who kind of looks like, uh, Ned in Spider-Man. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. Uh, which made me like him a little more cause I just thought of Ned <laughs> doing it. <laughs> so the game begins at, uh, one forty a.m. So a each- little late. Each student has their name called out individually. As they leave the classroom, they each get to bring with them the bag that they brought with them for the trip, which is basically probably yeah, girls can the take items. their stuff, like their makeup and all of that. Uh, and then they start calling like boy one, girl one, boy two, girl two, boy three, boy, girl. Like yeah. uh, continue until you get to like eighteen, nineteen, till you get to the end. Yeah. Uh, oh, and this is where he talks. This is where he talks because when he calls, um, what's it? I keep Kirima. Kiriyama? Kazuo Kiriyama? Yeah. Kiriyama, yeah. When Kawada goes up to grab his bag, when he gets called, Kiriyama comes back in, and he throws the bag back at them, and he says, no, that's my bag. That's not Kiriyama. That's Kawada. No. Because Kawada's... Is it? Kawada comes back in, because he's running, and then he stops running, because he hears the rustling and realizes that it's not the stuff that he should be getting. He goes back and throws it. Oh, okay. And goes, uh, "That's my. That's not my bag." Which is why I thought he was going to be an antagonizing transfer student like Kiriyama was. Okay, I thought that was Kiriyama that did that. Never mind. No. So he doesn't speak to that whole movie. No, so he's in fact a mute. Uh, so the names start getting called. Uh, you know, we're getting people doing different things like the raise the bag, like solidarity with my friends that I will have to kill yeah. to get out of this alive. Oki, uh, who like just runs at the fucking bag and then it hits him and then he falls over and then he comes uh, back up. Those two girls, was it uh, Yuki and I want to say the other one? Amada? 
You talking that? about the girl that number one would like we'll always be friends? Yeah, yeah. Those two girls. Yeah, I can't remember the girl other girl's name, but they go through basically all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Megumi gets called, and we don't really see where she goes. They don't actually meet up. Shuya and uh, you. The the movie doesn't really follow a lot of them around. It's a lot of them is Shuya finding dead bodies. Yeah, or um, interacting or like when Shuya meets up with a bunch of other characters. That's when they just happen to end up dying. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shuya is really like the main character of this movie. Yeah, but it start. I would say that the movie starts out once once Shuya gets his gear because he start. He follows him going out, and then immediately we run into <laughs> the girl. Who did we know who the name of the girl? That yes, started? Tendo. Tendo. Okay. Tendo. Uh, she just comes walking straight like out of the bushes with an arrow through her neck, and she's just like, "What is this? Yeah, what's what's going on?" <laughs> Yeah, this is so. Uh, we go through everybody up until Shuya, and uh, Shuya goes before Nakagawa, and then we see him go out, uh, not very far from the school already, and uh, he gets interrupted by Tendo, and she's just walking, and she's like, "What? What am I gonna do? What is this?" Mm-hmm. And she has the fucking arrow through her neck <laughs> from Ned. <laughs> yeah, and he's over the top of the thing, We're right? Just call and Ned. he's just <laughs> screaming and shooting. Well, he doesn't last very long now, does he? Yeah, that's true. Uh, and he, he he gets stunned by him throwing the small flashlight at him, and yeah. he starts rolling down the hill. And that's that, okay. This is uh, the fucking crossbow never gets loaded. He like just like picks it up, fires it, like picks it up, fires it again, fires, yeah. like. This thing apparently has infinite ammo throughout this movie. <laughs> yeah. He's in full panic mode, and uh, he just charges at him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gets shot in the heart, and then that's it. Uh, our boy our boy goes away. Akamatsu dies. <laughs> yeah, Shuya ends up running away. He gets away. Yeah, another student uh, kills yeah. kills Akamatsu. So they run pretty far. They run to the, uh, like a beachside, mm-hmm. which, mean that, which they have to be relatively close to the school. Yeah, it's him and um, Nakagawa. They almost go to like a cave. They go to a cave, like yeah. an under, like a cave, and uh, they find out what their weapons are. Uh, Nakagawa gets binoculars, and <laughs> Shuya gets a a not even a tin pot. He gets the lid, yeah, to a to a pot, which you could find that on the island. <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, he got the shittiest weapon out of everybody. I yeah. mean, we don't get to see everybody's weapon. Well, it's not shitty when it comes to actually the one time it gets used does yeah. save his life. That's true. Uh, but we find out, like, you know, they're kind of planning on what they're going to do. Maybe they're going to look for friends that they know they can trust. Uh, but Nakagawa doesn't trust any of the girls, uh, like Mimura and Sugimura. Because she's always been made fun of growing she's up. bullied by them. Yeah, she's Ugly trust short, they blocked her in the bathroom with all this, the desks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was the writing on the wall that basically was like short, ugly, die. Yeah. Right. And the only one she trusts is actually uh, Shuya. Yeah, because she likes him. Yep. And he has the need to protect her because of Nobu. Well, she called him Shuya, right? Because of uh, uh, she called him Shuya like he called Nobu Nobu because yeah, really she very, was just referring to him as Nanahara. It's a very um, then we get the vignette. Yeah, in, in Japan, it's a very big thing to call somebody either by their first name or their last name. Like, yeah, you have to be like a, a a good family friend to call somebody by or like a good friend to that person to call them by their first name. Yeah, uh, Nakagawa feels bad that Nobu died basically at her expense, and he said no, he was happy he came back. Yeah, because he got to see her. And, I mean, it didn't seem like he really 
had much that he was. It sounds kind of mean. Not like exactly that he had much that he was doing in his life, but yeah, he did. He was glad that he at least got to see her one last time before neck explosion. <laughs> and uh, we cut back to or Katano, who is eating her candy. Yeah. Uh, and just laying on the couch, and then the soldier comes by to like take some of the candy, and he just moves it and puts it. Back. I love how he doesn't say a word to the soldier. Like, the, so he tries to grab a cookie, smacks his hand away, and then he tries to like look at the papers that are just sitting on the desk. He just grabs the paper one by one out of the guy's hands, yeah, and then just puts them back down, yeah. And the guy just walks away. The first things that we find is we have a bunch of classmates that have actually taken Kiriyama, mm-hmm. and they've surrounded him actually at the ocean. And huge mistake, the one guy you signed up to kill for his amusement is surrounded by a bunch of people who don't want to kill him and or do kill him. And also have great weapons. <laughs> he had the shittiest weapon. He actually got a fan. Oh, yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, someone gets distracted. He, like, uh, he like punches the – I think he punches the person who has the – Uzi or yeah, whatever. and then gra- like he like tiger crouches, yeah, grabs the Uzi and then just like fires all around yeah. him and kills all. He kills like five or six people. Yeah, so we have uh, the deaths of additional students at the hand of Kiriyama, uh, mm-hmm. and this is where a significant amount of his body count comes from. And he takes all their stuff. He has guns, grenades. He has a ridiculous. They had a ridiculous amount of ammo. He had nunchucks, but he doesn't take them. Wow, that are, that are and then we useless. get the deaths of... Uh, <laughs> Unless you really know how to use yunchuk, nunchucks, I feel like those would be pretty useless. Right. Kurinaga, Sasagawa, Numai, uh, Sugiyoka, and Kanai, the girl, uh, are all dead. Mm-hmm. Not everybody in this movie is going to have a death scene. There's a couple people who you're just going to see like that just have died. And there's... Is it two or three couples that commit suicide? Uh, two. Well, two, two group. I think two friends and then two uh, romantic... Like a boy and girl. Yeah. So we have Sakura and uh, Yamamoto. Or uh, Sakura Ogawa and Yamamoto. And they are basically, they're both at the edge of a cliff. And they're like. They're like, we don't want to kill anybody, but we know that if we're probably going to die if we participate in this. I'll never play this game. So they both throw their stuff over. And then uh, Yamamoto starts crying. And then Ogawa is like. It's all gonna be okay. It's so sh- it's kind of shitty because it's almost like she's just, like coercing him into suicide. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. They go here it goes, and then they're both dead. So they're... it's almost like she wouldn't have done it if it, she didn't have like him there to do it. With yeah, her. <laughs> it's still night. We still don't we don't know how much time has passed, but we're already ten down, eight in the actual game. Mm-hmm. They're doing pretty well for themselves now. Most of that is Kiriyama. Yeah, uh, and granted, two of them did die before the game even started. Two <laughs> died before the game started. Two killed themselves. Kiriyama's pulling this game right along. Yeah. Uh, we have Megumi in a shed, and the first uh, instance of Mitsuko. Megumi didn't get along with this group, but Mitsuko was the only one that she was, like, cool with. Yeah, Mitsuko didn't seem, especially at the end, it doesn't really explain it too much, but at the end of the movie, it does kind of show that she was an outcast at the school. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the mean girl that just nobody really kind of wanted to hang around with, but I guess Megumi was kind of like her one friend. Mm-hmm. She is 
the one student who is very ready to start killing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> she, and it's not even the fact that she necessarily wants to kill. She doesn't want to die, and she's completely fine with killing. She with... seems to be pretty fine with killing. Yeah. I don't think that – I think there was some sort of will to do that based on her past that, like, finally yeah. I get to purge myself, essentially. Yeah. And uh, Megumi is equipped with a taser, and – Mitsuko is equipped with a scythe of some sort. It almost kind of looks like one half of a hedge trimmer, mm-hmm. and it's very small. It's like it's like a more like a like a pickaxe type size, like with a small. It's like it's like a, a hand scythe for cutting like wheat and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So she grabs Megumi after she like tries to steal the taser from her. She's like panicking, and Mitsuko grabs her, holds her down, and just takes her scythe to her her neck yeah like the one person that actually was okay with seeing her because everybody else is like terrified when they see her when like later in the movie because yeah. they don't like her and they know she's probably gonna try to kill them yeah um the one person that was actually like yeah yeah come you know i'm fine with you you know she tries to kill her right away <laughs> yeah absolutely and she's like this was my weapon like with it like against her neck like yeah. as she's bleeding out she's like this was my weapon i thought it was so so but actually it's not bad and then she makes a comment about Yoshimi and Kuramoto, who were next door to the house she was staying in, who they killed themselves. Were she, they the, the two that hung themselves? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she uh, was really mad at that, and she said she would never die like that. And then we get Megumi. She lets go of the scythe, and we get that spray. Yeah. And then it cuts. And I really like these. They, you know what it reminds me of? So we get... We get the slash, and we get the spray, and it's like, it's really, it's bad. Gushing. And then it goes to black, and I love when they do those. I think that's really, with just the text, mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. It reminds me of the black cuts to the death scenes in Last of Us right before. Yeah. Like, right before you actually see the gore, it cuts. Man, I haven't played that game in forever. Last of Us 2 has a release date. I know, I'm excited. Joel's back. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to... Uh, I'm not going to go into it now. <laughs> they're going to fuck? No. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. She's a lesbian. I know. Why are all these pages stuck together? <laughs> and he's just like... Mm. <laughs> She's like his replacement daughter. Yeah. Oh, well. If anybody hasn't played that game, it's a good game. Go check it out. Yeah. If you have a PlayStation. If you have an Xbox, you're fucked. <laughs> uh, play Dead Rising 3? <laughs> yes. So... Megumi, uh, Yushimi, and Kuramoto, the two who hung themselves, are the last to die before 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And we get the first announcements. We get the sound cue like, good morning, everybody. He's, like, he can sound so upbeat while still having that face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they hear the announcements of who's dead. Moshimosh. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, like, uh, Mitsuko just drying herself off totally normal. She has her stool. Now, the thing about all the females is that they can change their clothes because they were allowed to bring their stuff. Yeah, and that's probably mostly for, like, you know, tampons and stuff like that. Probably. You know, self-care Yeah. before you kill others. Yeah, because, you know, that bleeding is the one you're really focused on stopping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we find out who's dead, uh, Yamamoto, Agawa, all the people at the rocks. Uh, and then we find out uh, while they're running – we find out Megumi died, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, Nagawa's not a fan of that because <laughs> that's her friend. Yeah. And now they start listing the danger zones and uh, they check their maps. They realize that they're in one and they're going to have to move. 
they go off at certain times. So it's like at 6 a.m., at 7 a.m., this will become a danger zone, and then you need you, this stuff will go off. Yeah. And I assume that's just like as soon as you walk to the border of that, any time between the time it's active and it goes down, your thing just starts beeping. And, uh, yeah, I'm assuming they have those around just because there's so many people that will probably just be like if you're having someone chase you, you're just running around blindly throughout the forest. So if yeah. you just randomly end up in a danger zone, then, yeah. you know. I would not be able to read a map good enough to uh, to know if I was actually exactly in a danger zone or not because it's mostly forest. Yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly how big the island is. It's kind of ambiguous in how that yeah. is. But. Uh, our first ready-to-kill – our second ready-to-kill student – uh, Oki comes out of the trees, man. Oh yeah, he has Is a he... hatchet. Yeah, he's got the he's got the full on fucking camo. Uh, he's got the headband on. Yeah, like, he's got the the, the leaves it's, it's, in the headband. Like. It's the opposite of camo because he's in a white shirt with a light blue like do rag. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, but he still has like even though the do rag is light blue, he still has like leaves in it. Like, yeah, he's trying to hide. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he jumps down from the tree like onto Nakagawa. Yeah. Or not Nakahara, uh, and they end up like tumbling down a hill. Yeah, to which uh, before that his pot lid comes to use, blocking a hatchet. Yeah, because isn't he coming? He comes like down out of the tree, and he with the hatchet. And he yeah, he like, takes a swipe and he and he holds it up, and then they go tumbling down. Oki has the hatchet in his head. Yeah, and he's like, and and his first thing he says is, "Are you okay?" Yeah, are you okay? I love his reaction because he gets up and he's like, "I'm fine." Yeah, I think I'm fine. Yeah, it's very, down. very much like, uh, like Bud when he dies, where he's like, "What's happening? What's going on?" Yeah, Wait. it's very surprised deaths. Like, yeah. they had to, like, is this is this what death is? Yeah, but uh, yeah, he's just like, "Oh my god!" Like, are you are you okay? And then he's like, "I I think I'm okay," and then he just falls dead. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I think her name is Yuko. She sees it happen, and we yeah, don't see hiding, her until way later. She's hiding in the bushes. And she thinks that Shuya killed him with the she, axe. So many of these killings are, so, uh, like, I liked that person motivated. Yeah. Like, relationship motivated. Like, she apparently re- had a crush on that guy that that, that died. Right after this, uh, they're asking, like, Nakagawa and Shuya are like, you okay? Mm-hmm. You okay? And Motobuchi comes out with a gun and tries to fire at them. And this is the kind of dorky guy with the glasses. Yeah. And he's, he's fucking nuts. He's reciting the quadratic formula. X equals negative B. Like, is minus. he trying to like determine like a proper like angle to shoot? He might be. He might be, or he's just fucking nuts at this point. Yeah. And, and he basically is yelling to himself like, I'm going to survive. I'm not going to die here. Like, yeah. X, uh, you know, over to a <laughs> like, uh, and he's like, everyone's serious. And he's basically like, I'm going to survive. And then I'm going to go and go to a good school. Mm-hmm. And while they're uh, shooting, Kawada comes out with a, he has a shotgun. Yeah. He like got a, a pump good, action shotgun. He got a good weapon. And Motobuchi thinks the best thing to do with his tiny pistol is to run forward at this man. And he's, Definitely War Grizzle. Like, yeah. he's doing all the stuff, and he asks what weapons they have, and he holds up the pot, and he holds up shields and the binoculars, and then he just goes. So as far as we know, Kawada is the only one that has been a part of the game before. Yeah. I don't think that Kirima has done it before. He was just a volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he pulls the uh, the axe out of Oki's head. Yeah. And then they go, and they find uh, Yukiko and Kasaka, who are up on a hill somewhere. Uh, waving a flag, and uh, one of them has a flag, 
The other has a megaphone, which we believe are their weapons. And mm. they basically, like, we have a plan to get out. Uh, but or they're I, sitting ducks out they there. Were, they were saying, like, everybody, we don't want to hurt anybody. Everybody, let's all just come together and we can figure out a way to get off the island. Yeah. Uh, and I think she, like, what is it? Uh, 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 does Nanahara, like, yell out? And then she was like, that was Nanahara's voice. Like, some yeah see him? yeah so she he runs out and kawada stops and was like i'm gonna go get them and he's like you don't even have a weapon we don't want any of this happening and then mitsuko is not far away also seeing this happen mm-hmm. uh and she tells like he fires a shotgun so they ground themselves and she's basically they're basically yelling like stop shooting we don't want to hurt anybody yeah and then nanahara yells Run and he's like, "That's Anahara's voice." And uh, she's like, "Come up here, Yukiko's had a crush on you." Yeah, they just had a, a, a shot fired at them. Yeah, and they're like, "Come on, come up here, we're we're here." Yeah, uh, and we find that uh, Kiriyama. For all they know, that shot could have been from Nanahara. <laughs> yeah, Kiriyama has shot them from like five feet away from behind them. Yeah. And he takes the megaphone because one of them is struggling and, like, bleeding out. Oh, this scene. He straight puts it up to her mouth. Yeah, she's just, and, like... like, lets everyone around them, like, hear her, like, dying breaths. And then hear the, <laughs> and hear the gun go yeah. off. And I think I actually see some of the CG in this now. So, Kawada basically just takes them and is like, we're going. Yeah. Like, together. And it doesn't... I, mean, I, I don't know. Kawada kind of just, like, immediately takes them under their wing. Yeah, it's I very mean, strange. He had no reason to. Um... He d- doesn't really have any necessary reason to be, like, protective of them. I think he just likes them. Yeah. He says there's a way out of this game. He tells both of them to kill themselves. Uh, and then he says, if you don't do that, stop trusting and run. Mm-hmm. Then we get uh, we get another... Uh, he doesn't trust them yet. Yeah. We get another instance of just B-roll of, like, the military operation going on with some, like... <laughs> <laughs> Weird ass, yeah. But it, there's nothing. It has nothing to do with anything. It's noon, mm-hmm. and it's I think day one still. Mm-hmm. And these are the people who have died. And it's Yukiko, Kasaka, Oki. It's like you guys are getting wimpy out there. So now it's up to thirteen dead total. Because there was ten uh, just the about. There's still uh, there are four deaths. There fourteen. Fourteen. Uh, there's still plenty to go. Yeah. And Mitsuko goes into a shed. Uh, now it kind of starts to slow down uh, where you kind of get the individual stories of, like, kind of everywhere everyone's heading to at the island. Yeah. Um, it's still, like, you know, little bits and pieces of people killing each other there, but it's mostly of, like, what everybody else is doing to try to, like, figure out what's going on. It's here are the moments when we see the – one of the three guys' names that get together in the, the factory. Uh, I don't remember. We'll get, when we get there, yeah. uh, I cannot – I can never remember. Those three names I was always forgetting. Yeah. I uh, think well, – I probably figured out by looking at the names. But uh, Mitsuko finds uh, – she, she is stopped by Hirono, who basically waited for her to show up mm-hmm. so she could kill her because she has a gun. Yeah. She has a handgun, and she's basically... Which she was... Harassing her, because she was a loser, too. Mitsuko was a loser, too. Yeah. Uh, She wasn't being stalked. She just happened to find him, and she found... Hirono found Megumi with her throat slit with a sickle. Yeah. Her weapon. Mm -hmm. And she throws the sickle, and it hits the pole right next to her. She's got a good hand. Yeah. Uh, So she asks her for Megumi's weapon, the taser. 
Or she said, do you have it? Because I don't think she knew what the weapon was. She was like, do you have her weapon, though? Yeah. Um, and she's mad because, basically, uh, Mitsuko stole boys from her. Yeah, she's like, it kind of seems like she's... She fucked so many boys, but you still had to steal mine. Yeah. Um, Which was Yoshimi. Uh, <laughs> and then she asked, like... This oh, is the you... first time you ever actually see, like, fear in her eyes, even though it's not... It's just kind of acting, because yeah. she knows that she's going to kind of, like, attack her. Yeah, so but by what we can deduce from here, Yoshimi, the male who hung himself, mm-hmm. was the boy was the boyfriend of Hirono. Okay. And she's like stomping on her and telling her to uh, cut the crap murderer. And then you're going to die. I'm going to kill you. And then Mitsuko (laughs) takes the gun and the taser and uh, makes quick work of Hirono. Well, she she tases Hirono and was like, this was her weapon. Yeah. And then grabs the gun and shoots her. Yeah. And then she like as she collapses, we go to black screen Hirono dead 23 to go. Which she doesn't even use that gun that often. She, like, sticks with that scythe most of the movie. <laughs> hey, I would, too. For close quarters, that's what you want. Yeah, I guess it allows you that ability to kind of, like, maybe kind of pretend that you're trying to gain their trust, get a little close, and then slash. Yeah. So we get a far shot uh, of the, the mountainside, and we have Shuya and Nakagawa uh, walking, and then Nakagawa collapses. Mm-hmm. He's kind of injured. She Yeah, she well, she has had the... Uh, She's got a fever, like, obviously the she, wound isn't doing great. Yeah, she got scraped by a gunshot. She didn't, didn't like, fully penetrate her arm. She was, like, a, a scrape on it. But she's bleeding enough where the wound is getting affected, infected. Yeah. Uh, so he takes her to a nearby house. This house is actually uh, booby-trapped with just, like, a thing that indicates someone's outside. This happens to be... Uh, yeah, so if we didn't explain before, when those two girls died earlier... Um, that we're calling out for Nanahara. Um, Nanahara and, Naga, um, and Na- Nakagawa split up from Kawada. Mm-hmm. He ran off when he basically gave them that little bit of advice, like, you know, either kill yourself or just run. Yeah. Uh, Kawada comes out and call- refers to them as potlid and binoculars and says, <laughs> what do you want? It's like she's sick. Uh, and we find out, like, oh, he's really good at this. And we find out, one of his father's first jobs of many. He was a doctor, believe it or not. Yeah. He uh, he fixes – he basically just changes the bandages and kind of cleans it. And yeah. I don't know if he – I don't know if she needs stitches or anything. But uh, he's like, oh, how do you know how to do all this? He goes, oh, my dad was a doctor. So after this, what's happening on the island with some of these other people that we haven't quite seen yet? So we hear uh, – we get our hacker gang, mm-hmm. the first of our hacker gang. And they're the ones that figure out that there's mics in the headset, or yeah. in the, the neck, the necklaces. Well, they find out later. Uh, they're bringing, like, a generator up to the second floor. Uh, Sugimura runs into them, and it's Mamura is the leader of the, this hacker group, the real hacker of the, of the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they power stuff up. Well, that one guy shows up who with the tracker. Sugimura shows up, and he has a tracker that, yeah, like, tracks everybody. He's like, that's a great weapon. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they're looking for Kotohiki, and they're looking for Chigusa, and neither of them, neither of them are around. And they're also looking for Nanahara. He, because uh, he wasn't, uh, Sugimura wasn't with them for long. He comes in there, he helps them get the the generator up and running, and he says, "You know, my weapons, that my my weapons, the tracker. That's how I found you guys. I'm trying to find other people to like 
trying to get people together. Yeah. And he's like, if I find Nanahara, because he goes back out, he's like, if I find Nanahara, I'll let him know where you guys are so he yeah. can meet up with you. He, I think he's more bent on looking for Kotohiki than yeah, Shigusa. Yeah. So he just says, I'm off then. And Sugimura says, there's a way out. Uh, would you help us? And he goes, I have to find him. And if you find Nanahara, tell him where we are. Uh, and he goes, okay. And then he's gone. And then we, he doesn't see them again. And they always like, he always was a loner. We don't see him again until later. We look in the mirror. Uh, Mamura looks in the mirror and he says, so that's their trick. And they say, and he's the is... only one that apparently the, the, the caller is like bothering his neck. <laughs> yeah. So he starts typing in like a notepad and he says, there's a mic in the necklace and I need you guys to find the following. And it's like fertilizer, charcoal, pesticide, uh, sulfur. Uh, and then he just starts typing this crazy ass code. Like, he types a shit ton of code. Yeah, he is setting up a, a hacking program. Mm -hmm. We get another uh, flashback vignette of Chigusa. We are introduced to her. She's the runner. Mm -hmm. And she's being uh, not chased down on a bike, but just kind of, like, kindly behind her. It's like her trainer. Like, uh, it's one of the other guys from it's class. one of the other guys But he's, like, class. helping her train. It seems like he's just, just, like, timing her with a stopwatch. Yeah, and uh, they're kind of playful. And he's like, how how long do you think you're going to run? And she goes, ahead of you forever. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I'll watch your back forever. And yeah. she runs up. I, I love how they did this scene because it's, like, it's almost like she's having, like, it's, a, it's like a dream sequence and also, like, a daydream in the same thing where she's, like, running on the she's running on the street the guy's behind her and then as soon as she gets to where the shrine is he disappears and she realizes uh, the, the, that, that, she reaches for the collar and she realizes that she's on the island yeah the guy yeah oh the guy that appears with the uh the crossbow yeah he's the guy that grabbed he's the guy that from the from from, from ned <laughs> yeah that killed ned and then grabbed the crossbow yeah and he tell uh basically he's like we're gonna die on this island you're a virgin aren't you he is really trying hard to do this. Yeah. He, oh, it's so fucked up. Cause he, uh, he tries to, he's basically like, you know, we're going to die here anyway. Don't you want, you know, to at least have sex before you die? And she's like, not, he's like, not with you. Yeah. And, uh, they're like, you know, I'm not focused on that at all. I'm just focused on trying to fucking survive. Yeah. And he's like, well, I could just, you know, force myself on you. And she's like, you fucking try. It's like, I'm going to fight back with like every inch of my being and I will kill you. So we get, this uh fight between i love how she's like why don't you find something better to do with that shriveled up thing in your pants <laughs> yeah 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 uh he fires and grazes her with an arrow yeah and her face changes like instantly, instantly. She's like, you've injured, injured my face, my face. <laughs> and he, he like panics and starts running <laughs> and she takes a switchblade out and starts going after him and man man she fucks him up yeah uh stabs him in the dick Oh, oh man like three times like, like three she times. straight gets on his stomach and i don't know why this dude has his legs open but like yeah. he's oh some like three straight good stabs yeah oh that was hard to watch yeah and then mitsuko is watching the entire time so shigusa starts running from mitsuko and mitsuko starts shooting and she gets a bunch of good shots in but none seem to hit <laughs> no a bunch of them seem to hit and she's running and bleeding out at the same time oh, okay so uh nita nita is his name so Nita dies. The love interest finds her. Yeah. Uh, and she's she's about to go. And she waited. Hiroki uh, said, last night I waited outside for school, but you ran out of there. Couldn't catch up because she's a runner. Mm -hmm. And Hiro he, she asked Hiroki if he's in love with anyone. 
And he says, no. And she says, stay with me like this. It won't be long. And then she, man, okay. She, some of these deaths are. That's what the question are, of like, as soon as you meet up with somebody that you haven't seen, like throughout this whole movie, you're like, are you in love with anybody? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we get that kind of uh text mm-hmm. question it says god can i say one more thing man these deaths some of them are like pretty emotional no well, yeah but also like they're dumb silly it's always like <laughs> yeah i mean especially since you know a lot of deaths she says one accurate. of them and uh i think even kawada is one of them they're just like they just uh oh it's it's so cartoony Katano's death is my favorite. <laughs> Katano's death is great because he gets back up, calls That's his wife, tells him to normal. fuck off, eat a cookie, and then dies. Oh, he's, we'll, we'll get into it. But, he's oh, a fucking man. superhuman. He's a boss, man. I fucking want him to be my dad and my uncle and my grandpa. <laughs> uh, so Shigu says the first one to die, a silly death, which is just like, she says her, she says thank you. A lot of these people, they say thank you and then they die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like, oh, uh, uh, it's, oh. Uh, it's so it's such a movie. Yeah. So Shigusa I mean, is dead. A lot of deaths in movies aren't realistic at all. Yeah. We have uh another group of uh people down, three people are down in this next six hours, and he says he's disappointed that they're slacking. <laughs> and he adds more danger zones and a new one is at every hour. Yeah. So uh he announces the zones. We go back to Kawada's shack where him, Shuya, and Nakagawa are all eating. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, man, this is really good. Like, how'd you learn how to cook like this? And he's like, my dad yeah, was a chef. chef. <laughs> yep. And we find out here that he was a survivor yes. of an earlier battle royale. Because <laughs> um, I think they asked, like, you know, how are you so good at this? Or, like, how do you know what to do at least? Basically, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we find a picture of him and Seiko. And Seiko was his significant other. Or was it Keiko? Seiko. Seiko? Seiko. 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 Uh, they asked if they were in the same class and the same age. Ninth grade, class C, Kobe, junior high. Uh, and they were in the game three years three years prior. Uh, Keiko. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. And in order, he did things that he didn't want to do, uh, like turn a gun on his best friend yeah. to s- protect her. And they, it was him and her. They were the last two survivors. And uh, she she ends up shooting him in the stomach. She ends up shooting him in the stomach. And, uh, yeah, it's not great. And the, the gun goes off. And then she starts firing, and she shoots him. Well, he, no, he, he, shoots, he shoots her. He shoots her. And he ends up actually killing her. And this actually is like his dramatic kind of reasoning for the movie is that he wants to find out what the meaning was behind her last smile. Yeah. And she smiled and it was just like, you know, thank you. And then dies. Which, I mean, I get the fact that he's, you know, maybe like high school or whatever. And, you know, it's a tough time. But it's kind of it's pretty simple. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. She shot him in the stomach in a place where she knew that he wouldn't die, and that you know instant shot would give him like the reasoning to kill her, letting him survive. <laughs> yeah, she cared more about him surviving than her own life. Yeah. So and then uh, he's drinking, and she's like, "Yeah, I'll have that drink." Yeah. So he asked why to play all over again, and he woke up back here. He said he his his goal is to survive and to find out what the smile meant. Mm-hmm. He's a confused little boy, apparently. And yeah, th- at this point, with he's grizzled, right? But if he was in ninth grade three years ago, 
He's a senior in high school. Yeah. <laughs> He's like 30. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Some of them look like they could be older than high school. But Yeah. Oh, they all, they all look like they could be older than high school. I mean, I don't know how old Kiriyama is. It's weird age ranges. <laughs> so he asks what their names are. And they hear a noise outside. They blow out the candles real fast because they had, they had some source of light. And and does, I don't remember the name of the kid that's being chased outside. No, I don't remember either. We'll but, get there. Yeah. Um, so uh, he goes, it's that same noise. And they're like, who is it? And he goes, probably the one guy who signed up willingly for this shit, which is Kiriyama. Uh, and lo and behold, it is Kiriyama. It is Kiriyama chasing a dude on a bike who's just screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a helmet on. He knows safety first. Uh, his weapon... Actually isn't a weapon. He has a bulletproof vest. Which is pretty good. Which is pretty good. Yeah. And uh, he fake dies to basically get... Uh, throw him off his trail. Throw him off his trail. And he gets a little too excited. Uh, he's like, I live, I live, bitch. <laughs> and uh, what a sweet bulletproof vest. And then he looks up and he sees... He's on the roof. roof with a... With like, a katana. Yeah. And, oh he, and his reaction is to just go... Hold his arms out and just scream while he comes down and he decapitates him. Uh, this is Oda. No, I love what he does with the head. What he does, yeah. So what does he do with the head? So he throws. He uh, tries to. Well, like, at first he tries to like he tries the door and can't get in. Yeah. Um, and then immediately decides to put a grenade in the severed head. Yeah. Throw the the head through the window. Yeah. <laughs> and in that instant second, they're like. Fuck, we gotta go. Yeah. Like, if we get split up, where did they say to meet at? The shrine? The shrine. He tells him to take care of her. And then he basically he basically runs to distract him and send them off to protect, like, protect Nakagawa. Mm-hmm. And so now we split up into Kawada and Nakagawa go off together, and Nanahara ends up by himself. But, yeah, being chased by, uh... By, uh, Kirima. Ki- yeah, Kiriyama. Kiriyama. And... At the same time as this, uh, Sugimara wakes up with his tracker, finds two people running near him by the beach, mm-hmm. and uh, he puts on the vest because he takes some of the he takes two or three shots and he's totally fine. Yeah, and uh, Shuya jumps into the into the river, and Sugimara saves him mm-hmm. and also goes into the river, and he just starts firing into the river or into the ocean, I guess it is, and. It cuts to... Um, we go back to the hacker gang. Yeah, the hacker gang. And they brought all their dumb shit. They got mining hats on. Yeah, they're like, we uh, found... One of them the has stuff. like a, a a pan on his head with a light at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we found we found all the stuff that you needed. Uh, and they still don't know what exactly it is that he wanted that stuff for. Yeah. And he's still in the middle of like creating his, you know, it's just like his... You can tell he's not actually typing anything because his finger is going in the same pattern over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but he's he's creating his hacker program and he lets them know that his was it his uncle or his dad? It's uh, his, uh, his uncle. I think his uncle is like a military fighter that would send him postcards from overseas. Yeah. And uh, he w- he said that he taught him stuff that you wouldn't learn in school. So I'm guessing that he just meant like he taught him how to make bombs and stuff. Yeah. Uncle. Uncle's an old-time fighter, and yeah, he told him how to make stuff. So they're basically going to make bombs, and they're going to blow up the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we fast-forward to 12.30 p.m. on day two, and Shuya has been rescued 
by some of his fellow students, students we haven't encountered again quite yet. Yeah, they've kind of put together a little group of their own, and they're all hanging out at the lighthouse. Yes. It's... They... they All women? They, yeah, it is all women. Yeah. They opened up shop over there. Like, yeah. they got a working kitchen. Like, yeah. they, they knew exactly what they were doing. Uh, Sugimura carried him in, and then... Uh, they kind of left them, and they kind of have like a hospital thing operating on the lighthouse. Yeah. And then down at the base is like a kind of kitchen, kind of kitchen area. area. Yeah. I mean, lighthouses are like built to be lived in. So yeah. So uh, should we ask what he's missed? And we find out that Kiori and Mizuo he missed he missed two or two, three announcements. He missed two deaths only uh, after his like him going down. Only two people actually died, and it was Kiori and Mizuho who were the two girls at the beginning that said we'll always be friends we find their bodies uh actually over by the ocean with spears and hatchets so it doesn't all up in them and it, it, it kind of leaves it ambiguous because i wonder if it's trying to kind of get you to wonder if they killed each other yeah. or if they were killed like while they were together right then we get takaguchi and hadagami who this is the bathhouse death yeah and she is putting yeah she is putting like a coat on and she's taking her stuff they're know. just both naked there. They're just both <laughs> naked. It's fine. They're dead. And that's, I mean, that's it. You just see them both lying there yeah. naked as they, she walks away with their stuff. <laughs> so Sugimura uh, makes his way back to Mimura, and he basically relays, like, that they are looking for him. Mm -hmm. And Yuka, Yuko, Shisato, Haruka, and Satomi are also downstairs. Those are the other, the other girls in the lighthouse. And then Sugimura leaves again, right? Yeah. And she says, Yuko's not, she doesn't, she's not great. She's not feeling great about you right now because she saw what happened with you and Oki mm -hmm. uh, with the hatchet death. Yeah. He says, you know, I swear it was an accident. We fell down the hill and it just ended up in his head. <laughs> yeah. He tells them that they should all go to Kawada because he knows a way out. Which is completely understandable that Yuki would be like, even after they, she was like, oh, it's just an accident. Like, we're in a death game right now. Yeah. Like, of course he'd be like, it was just an accident. Yeah. Like, it's just an accident. Anyways, do you like Noriko? Yeah. <laughs> uh, doesn't she say something along the lines like, this is the first time I'm touching a man's body? Yeah, it was the first time I've touched a man's body. Okay. And he just kind of gives her this look like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Yuko does not believe Oki is... Uh, he does not believe Oki accidentally killed himself. He believes Shuya killed Oki. Yeah, and, and she basically this is a thing that ends up like later in the movie. She asks him like, D "Does he like anybody?" And he or if she's does he like Noriko? And he's like, "I don't know why." Or, or he's like, "Why?" And she's like, "Cause I know everything about you." Yeah, and he says, "What does that mean?" And she's like, "Or no," and she says, "Do you know what that means?" And he's like, "How should I know?" Yeah, <laughs> he's he's uh. He doesn't read signals very well. Yeah. He's like me. He reminds me of me. <laughs> I like him. He's relatable. Lighthouse death. I've done that too. But Yuko. This is the stupidest fucking deaths in that <laughs> whole movie. Yeah. Yuko, uh, her weapon is poison. Mm -hmm. And she's going to poison his food to kill him because, like, basically revenge. They're keeping him locked in the room upstairs. Yeah. Um, for the safety of yeah. uh, Yuko. So... Yuko says, like, she's like, don't worry, he's not a threat. You know, he said it was an accident. Yuko said, I'll serve him. And then she puts the, the stuff on, the poison on. Yuki comes back because I guess she's like, you're lucky, you know, basically, like, Yeah, she must like have just you. been, like, out, like, around the building or something and came back in. Yeah, and she says, the, you know, this stuff is good. Uh, she, grabs the, she grabs the plate. Yeah, she grabs the plate and starts eating. 
This po- I've never seen poison like this. I've never seen poison fast acting like that. I've I mean, never seen poison fast acting, and I didn't know that it just makes you bleed from the inside. Like, it made her fucking like burst like a balloon out of her mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And of course, you, uh, uh, Yuko is like in the back corner, just kind of like huddled to herself, like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know the name of the girl with glasses that ends up grabbing the Uzi as soon as she dies. Yes, uh, she starts. She loses her mind because she thinks one of them. She was also like, and they even said like, "You haven't been sleep. Like you haven't slept for the past two days." Yeah, have slept. You? Yeah, Satomi. Yeah, they think like Satomi was like, it was actually you. Don't yeah. play this game. Like that was probably you. And she's like, "Oh, Shisato made it." And uh, you know, she Shisato. She literally because uh, well, Shisato Cause she tries, tries to grab to take, the gun. Grab the gun because yeah. she's freaking out. And then she fires. Every, every fucking shit goes crazy. Everyone heads for cover. Apparently everybody has a gun. Yeah, because it's a big shootout. Fucking, um, she jumps on top of the table and is like firing at the girls on the ground. Yeah. Um, uh, she says she's not one of the killers, and then uh, at the last moment she gets shot. Everyone's died. She goes, "We're all so stupid." Yeah, she's like, "We like this is the stupidest fucking thing ever. We all could have survived. Yuka survives, and she's just sitting like." It's not my fault. This isn't my fault. I did. This isn't me. I didn't do this. She runs and unlocks the door for Shuya. Yes. And he, she's bad. She's, she's in a bad spot. She says, I forgot how much I liked all of them. And, uh, I know what I have to do now. And she runs up to the top of the lighthouse. Shuya goes down to see what's going on. Which that phrase doesn't even really make sense because she wasn't trying to kill any of them. I mean, she was. No, the she cause knows what, what she needs to do now after that, which is she needs to kill herself, yeah. which she does. She Jumps off the lighthouse. He runs up there and he sees her body on the rocks below. Yeah, and then we get another thing that says, "Do you know what that means?" Another, uh, what would you call it? Like a like a phrase interlude. Sure, sure, that's a fair. We see her bloodied body at the rocks. She 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 lost a lot of blood, but she's intact. <laughs> yeah, the the um, waves. She literally landed on a rock like right next to the water, so the waves are kind of crashing up onto her. Yeah, so Yuki, Yuko, Haruka, Shisato, Satomi all die. We got ten folks left, and we know most of them at this point. Yeah, these are kind of like the people who have been like really fighting throughout the the game, mm-hmm. or the besides um, Nakagawa and yeah. Nanahara. They really haven't. They, neither of them have taken a life yet. Yeah. So Nakagawa and Kawada are in a different kind of uh, a different house. They're at the shrine. They're at the shrine. Nagawa has this dream uh, with Katano. Yeah. Now, in if you're watching the regular version, you're not going to hear them say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the special edition that we watched basically kind of goes into, like, they kind of had maybe, like, a friendship. She respected him as a teacher. Yeah. He maybe I'm not 100% sure. He maybe no, had feelings for her. I don't know. I, don't I think, think so. only because of the end of the movie that I think that he maybe had, like, inappropriate feelings for her as his teacher. I don't as know. As her teacher. Maybe. Um, but maybe, okay. Now I'm thinking of the painting. You might be right. Yeah. She basically says to him that I kept the knife that, that Nobu stabbed you with. Yeah. And she's like, for some reason, but it's our little secret. Yeah. She was like, for some reason, I really treasure it now. Yeah. Um, she's Uh. like, but that'll be our little secret. And he's like, you know, what is an adult supposed to say to a child at this point? Nothing. (laughs) Go to jail. Do not collect $200. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. 200 yen. Uh, she gets, he gets a call from what I presume is his wife mm-hmm. that her mom's sick and, uh, or no, it's his daughter, I think. Oh, 
because he, he he doesn't talk about his he talks about how his daughter doesn't res- or his children I guess doesn't yeah. respect him at all. Respect him and uh, you don't really hear he much. He says like I can hear your stinking breath over the phone or I can yeah. smell it, and he's just like hangs up. It's like I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now we kind of get a clue into like his, his suffering, his background a little bit. Yeah. So then, and like I guess why the disrespect of the students affects him so much probably. Yeah. On uh. At this point, Nakagawa is awake and explains to Kawada, like, the dream, and she runs out to meet Shuya. Yeah, which is weird, because, she, like, it starts raining, or he looks up and he's like, it's about to rain, um, and then it starts drizzling a little bit, and then she just makes the random decision, be like, I'm gonna go find Shuya. Yeah, <laughs> like, and we get one more Shuya uh, interlude, which is uh, a younger him. They're at a uh, a pizza shop, which... Weird, uh, actually, because this looks like an American pizza shop. Mm-hmm. All of the guests are Japanese, but at the shot of Shuya facing forward, all of the cooks are white. Uh, it's very, it's very weird. So I don't know, but again, you know, white people can live in Japan. True. Yeah, sure. So his dad's basically just like, "I'm a, I, I, I am of no, I am of nothing to you." Yeah, it's he was was it the day before he was about to start seventh grade. Yeah, and then we get one more. One more shot of him hung himself. Uh, so you can do it. Well, because he's, he's running through the woods, and then he, he falls over when he hears the uh, his dad scream, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I told you to wait. Yeah. And after that, he immediately gets another fly, uh, image of Nobu, and he tells him, it's the reverse basketball bounce, yeah, right? And, and he's he like says, stuff, look he's after like Nakagawa. Yeah. He's like, he's like hey. And it, it kind of expands on it. There's a requiem for it uh, after the movie ends when it kind of goes back and expands upon some parts. Um, he basically is just like, hey. He's like, it, it, this is so stupid that they added a requiem from this because the only part that they added is Shuya standing up and saying, Nobu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just recognizing that he was there. Yeah. Uh, Kawada loses Nakagawa in there, and she actually runs into Mitsuko, yeah. who is just – Sitting and waiting, and lo- it happened to run into Nakagawa. So she said, "Like, oh, there's two. You got two boys looking after you. How great!" And she goes to yeah, shoot. Like, what a princess. Yeah, she calls it. She goes to shoot, and then she sees something right to immediately to her left, and it she terrifies runs off. her. Yeah, terrifies she, her. She runs off. I thought it was Nakagawa. Or, uh, I thought it was Kawada for a second. Kawada with, with, with the, the shotgun. shotgun. And yeah, I'm like, that makes sense. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nakagawa turns around and it's Katano sitting with uh, an umbrella. And he goes, hey. Yeah, he's literally so chill. Like, yeah. nobody. Okay. It doesn't say. I don't think it shows exactly. It just shows dots on the map, right? It doesn't say, like, this is their no, name. No, uh, it has, I believe, the number of the student. Oh, okay. Uh, so he can he knows where each one is. Yeah, it's like is, boy yeah. or girl, 18 or something. Shuya finds Nakagawa and Katano's. Just chilling. At, maybe uh, that's what the numbers are on IMDb. Maybe that's their number in the. Maybe, maybe. Katano gives Nakagawa yeah, she's his like, umbrella and leaves. No, no, he. Uh, what is it? Nakagawa. He's or Katano. Like, I keep saying Katana. Katano shows up and he sees Nakagawa there, and uh, Mitsuko already run away, and he says, "Oh, you have Nanahara here with you." Yeah. And she looks over, and Nanahara is like limping up the rocks. Yeah. And then he falls down, and Katana goes over and gives her the the umbrella, and is like, "Don't catch a cold." Yeah, I actually thought Shuya was gonna die at this scene because uh, it looked like they were kind of monologuing, like it was gonna be like that. Same, like, but I don't think he's. I'd been... protect you, and I would. Uh, I don't I'm think he's useless. been shot at all. 
I think he's really just been like either like cut and bruised up and like maybe has like he's low on stamina. Yeah. Kawada finds both of them. We get another uh another cut to a different story and this is this we, is I love how both of them just ignore the fact that Katana was there. Like he gives them the umbrella yeah. and Nanahara doesn't even acknowledge the fact that Katana was just there. <laughs> like very weird. I don't know. And when Kawada comes back, you know, Nakagawa isn't like Katana was just here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's more important things. In the in the warehouse, the rainy warehouse. This part's kind of sad. Looking for Kodahiko, right? Yeah, Kodahiko. Kodahiko. And she does not want to kill him, but will. She uh was yeah, she doesn't really know him. Yeah. And he comes in and is kind of looking around. She's hiding up in like it's almost like scaffolding. Yeah. She's like hiding on top of scaffolding. Kodahiki, sorry. Yeah, Kodahiki. Um He's looking around, he or she kind of backs up and knocks over some paint cans, and he hears them fall, and is like, Kodahiko, or is it Kodahiko? Kodahiki. Okay. Kodahiki, is that you? And he's, like, starting to run towards her, and she just jumps up and is like, no, and, like, just starts firing at him. Yeah, and she still, when she runs out of ammo, she still tries to fire a bunch of shots at him. Yeah. And basically how this goes down is he wanted to see her. Mm Mm-hmm. Because uh, she, or when he's lying there dying, he's like, "Run! The gunshots are gonna bring other people here." Yeah, and she's like, "What? Like, why are you? Why are you telling me this? What's going on?" Yeah, he's like, "You're so cute." Yeah. And like, why? Why is this happening? Why are you telling me now? Because they were not. They never talked to each other. Yeah, she was like, "You know, I've always, I've always loved you ever since the first time I saw you." And she's like, "You never talked to me." Yeah, <laughs> how was I supposed to know? Right. Right. Uh, and then it's, we get the flashback of, like, the basketball. And then we get another dumb death where he goes, I love you for a long, long time. And then he just goes, oh, <laughs> again, yeah. like uh, Shiguso does. And, yeah, basketball. It's like uh, they're all cheering for each other. He misses the shot, and she's laughing. And then he's dead, and she's crying. <laughs> yeah. And this is actually uh, where Mitsuko shows up and kill was it he she shows up from the back like door mm-hmm. and shoots her in the back like oh well or like what am i supposed to do now and she's like die yeah and die. then she shoots her and she dies like in an instant one yeah shot one to, shot like, one shot to like the shoulder and she like goes down dead yeah um she goes over and i think she kind of just like searches them yeah and then that's when fucking mr kiriyama shows up not yet before well yes yeah. Kirama shows up but before that we figure out Mitsuko's backstory yeah, yeah okay this is the with the this creepy guy who is not not the father no she it's basically it's a flashback to when she was like a little little girl and she just like came home by herself like I don't know where yeah. I mean it doesn't say where she was but she was like apparently out and about by herself she comes home and her mom's fucking wasted passed out or not fully passed out but she's drunk as fuck on the on the table yeah and he sees she sees this like weird man i don't i don't think he even has a name i don't think so but uh she sees this pedo pedo yeah (laughs) pedo she sees this pedo yeah (laughs) and he's you know what happened to my mom and he's like oh you know your mom has a tummy ache uh you know why don't we play together yeah um and and this is why i think that she under her breath goes be strong mitsuko you'll end up like me which is why i think that maybe she sold mitsuko to him because she was like she was sitting there like drunk with like a pile of money yeah and she was like be strong hmm yeah i don't know so he put the but he in the same house like goes up to her room and shows her a doll whose name is also mitsuko and he pops the head off (laughs) he's like see she's really fun and then Pops the head off of a doll, which would probably fuck children up. 
and then we have a shot of the doll uh, with the head off, all the clothes off, and just completely naked. It says, all her clothes are off, uh, and now it's time for our other Mitsuko to do so. Yeah, and she basically just screams, no, and like, one little girl push, <laughs> and he just goes tumbling down the stairs. He's dead. And dies. <laughs> yeah. It kind of is to give you, like, a little bit of the backstory into her, like, mental state, her mental illness, why she's so willing to kill and why she acts the way she does. Yeah. No one is going to save you. That's just life is what she says. Yeah. And then we get the two crazy people finally dueling, and uh, it's Mitsuko versus Kiriyama. Now this death scene. (laughs) This stuff. Goes on for way too long. (laughs) Yeah. So she fake dies. She takes a hit, but, like, she's gets back up because uh, she has the scythe and the taser still. Yeah, he kind of he shoots her, kind of goes over, puts the gun up to her face, and then grabs her gun out of her hand. Yeah, uh, and then, yeah, takes a bunch of shots at her. And, and then... she she literally, like, grabs the scythe, jumps up, gets shot again, falls back down, jumps back up, runs at him, gets shot again, falls back down, jumps back <laughs> up. Yep, <laughs> yep. Uh, it's very weird how this movie <laughs> is acted. We get uh, another phrase vignette, but we don't get a black screen. We actually get Mitsuko's uh, dead body, mm-hmm. and it says, I just don't want to be a loser anymore. Mm-hmm. And then we feel bad for her. Yeah, but she did murder a lot of people. Yeah. And Kiriyama goes, and then we get Mitsuko dead. Seven left. So he goes through the names. Uh, only one of the boys, Sugimura, dies. And then we find out like who's dead, and then they head west because they're in a danger zone now. Mm-hmm. Where basketball stuff happens, and then it keeps going back to like the last couple of scenes of that basketball game because it's like everyone was kind of friends. Even Mitsuko was at the game; she was kind of just sitting alone. And even when they celebrate at the end, yeah, she, she kinda... walks off. But everyone is there. Yeah, you know that's it was kind a of big the important for part. All of them, and even though like it was almost like well, it's one, it's it's you know class one B. It shows Mitsuko like it, you could almost see in her eyes that. She she was lonely. Obviously, she didn't have any friends. She was the only one that was kind of not celebrating with everyone else for the game for the winning of the game. But she could you could kind of tell that she was like happy that they had won. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mamura finishes his third man hacking system, which has a basketball guy, yeah. really gross looking basketball guy. Which something that uh, I'll talk about with K- that Katano says later in the movie. Completely, just I don't even know what this scene was supposed to be then. <laughs> yeah. He's totally not bothered by the fact that they break in and they actually start breaking into the system. And at the same time as this, his two buddies get 100 Molotovs, a bunch of bombs, uh, some propane tanks that will be, like, rigged to explode. And somehow they found a car with gas in it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, So they they hacked in to everything. Uh, It at for a moment actually disabled all of the zone readings it disabled all the danger zones from being danger zones and disabled all the callers from exploding or being controlled remotely by them yeah. so he just shuts all the power down and goes restart it mm-hmm. so, and it's it's rewriting all the programs and systems uh, at the they have all their tech set up at the school that's where the base is for the military yeah um I love Katano just straight everyone's freaking the fuck like everyone's freaking out yeah and he just gets up Shuts off the whole power and turns it back on, and he's like, restart it. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, so they're stacking up this truck, and they say they probably have like, what was it like, fifteen minutes before the system comes back online? Yeah, they're basically just gonna. Uh, I guess they're gonna bomb this building like a car bomb. Yeah, like while they can't track where they're going, they're gonna try to blow up the school. Yeah, 
and they see someone move while they're getting ready, and they think it's uh, Nanahara. They go, oh, Nanahara, come out, come out. And it's Kiriyama comes out and shoots one of them. This guy gets across this island like a fucking cheetah. Yeah. Like, he is everywhere at once. Yeah. <laughs> like, who is that? Like, oh, it's the fucking transfer student. <laughs> yeah. And they can't get a good shot on him, and he kills the other friend, and then it's back to uh, Mimura and Kiriyama. And his goal isn't actually to shoot Kiriyama. It's to shoot the truck and blow it up. Yeah, it was... Uh, which is, first of all... I mean, I guess Kiriyama didn't know that... There was a truck full of explosives right there. Yeah. But they're just firing blindly all around this truck. <laughs> the moment that they find Mamura uh, and the thing blows up, we Kawada and uh, Nakagawa and Shuya all show up. Yeah. And they show up to find the building, like everything around it in flames. And that fire would not have been as burned big. Yeah. that way. It was like the building itself wasn't on fire, but for some reason, every window still was, was on, on fire. fire. Like, yeah. <laughs> And then we get the cool ass shot of Kiriyama coming out of the flames. Oh, dude, it's the T two level ever. shit. Because he's got it's the coolest thing ever. Because he's blind now. Yeah, the, the explosion has blinded him, and he has like the red like lines like that are slowly like go that go down his cheek from where his eyes are bleeding. Yeah, and he and now comes the the final battle between the transfer students. He tries walking away, and Kawada uh, actually takes a shot. And then starts roll, ducking and rolling with the shotgun. Yeah, Kiriyama, since he can't see, just kind of starts firing everywhere in Kawada's direction. Yeah. And Kawada actually shoots him in his collar and blows up the collar, uh, killing Kiriyama. So Kiriyama is actually dead. Now... That was... Okay, honestly, that's the coolest fight scene in the whole movie because you get to see them just come up against each other yeah, with like, the, the flames all The two grizzled transfer students, yeah. Kiriyama's fucking blind with that, like, his face looks cool as fuck with the, the blood lines going down his mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. So now we are down to just Kawada, Nakagawa, Shuya, and they're waiting. So this is a very, this goes a lot of different ways, and it's very carefully planned. The ending is very confusing, because they throw in some aspects that may or may not be true. Yes. Um... So we hear uh, Katano is actually listening into their conversation as they're waiting basically for help. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is Kawada says, you or know, they, or they said like, now that it's just us, like what's the way off the island? Yeah. He's like, I told you not to trust anyone. And I used you cause you were just not like just gullible enough to believe me. And he's like, well, what about Keiko? Is like there, there was never a Keiko. Yeah. You know, I came up with that story to try to get like the, the sympathy factor from you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, you were going to really kill me with that gun? And he says, game over for real this time. And He's he like, blocks, points down, he fires twice. Uh, we get a shot at Katano, finding out. And then uh, we got some military people saying, uh, confirm their bodies. What actually happened, Kawada didn't actually hit them. He just tried to, he basically, while they're going to confirm the bodies are dead, uh, the, the kill is happening. Uh, well, they don't even go to confirm it. They're about to leave, and then Katano's just like, operation complete like you sure yeah. you don't want to go check and he's like now operation complete yeah which i don't know how he possibly could have known he probably didn't actually know mm-hmm. that he was going to uh say operation complete they're going to look for the bodies but kawada doesn't actually fire to kill them he fires two shots just to trick them into thinking that he killed them and he's going to get all of them out of there he now actually wonder... is going to he basically triple crossed he actually pretended to double cross them well actually in i fact, think he wasn't well uh, i have i have an, a theory about this a little later when they actually go back but 
it shows then you know they're they're shutting everything down. It, you're assumed that Kira or um, Kawada won that the Shuya and um, Niriko are dead, and he sends all of the military home. The helicopter leaves. The the trucks all head out. And for some reason, he's just doing, like, school exercises. Yeah, he's doing himself. the radio exercises. I love this scene. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why. He's I want him he's to just be standing there, like, in cousin. front of the field. Yeah. Like, by himself, listening to the radio, doing these, like, little exercises. Then you see... On a perch. Yeah. <laughs> On you a see, platform. Um, Kawada. Kawada comes out of the forest, mm-hmm. and he shows, you know, he pulls up a shirt, and he's like, I don't have any guns on me or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes into them two hanging out in the classroom. Yeah. And uh, he thinks that he was the one who hacked in. Yeah, well, that was the part that confused me because he was like, it wasn't because he even knew that. Um, what was it? Mummery? What was his name? The guy, the hacker. Mamura. Mamura. Um, he even said that he must have known that Mamura was the one that was doing the hacking because he's like, it wasn't Mamura that did the hacking. It was you, wasn't it? Yeah, well, he, he I think he's under the implication that the person who hacked it was the one who got away. He thought, oh, he hacked it. Then he must have won. I don't know. It's Nobody a, it, got away yet, though. But he he doesn't know. It's it's very confusing uh, yeah. that why he thinks that Kawada was the one. Yeah, and that's I don't. It, it, Kawada doesn't deny it either. Like he almost seems like yeah, I did something. Yeah, because he points the uh, they reactivated the system, but Kawada's necklace was still deactivated. Yeah, because he said he found out how to deactivate the necklaces, didn't you? Yeah. Um, and then Nakagawa and Shuya come in because he's about to kill. Kawada, because uh, he's like, there's not going to be any survivors. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going home. Yeah, she finds. He says, Hey, how was it? You know, was it fun? Yeah. As soon as fucking uh, Nakagawa walks in, his mood completely changes. Yeah, and he says, All the kids hate me at school. My own kid hates me. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. And he unveils this painting of all of the students in Class B, uh, minus Kawada and Kiriyama, because they're the transfers. It's a painting of everybody dead except for Nakagawa, who's in the middle, who's got like kind of like a halo ring around her, and then like the little red spot on her necklace yeah. is a heart. <laughs> yeah, it says if 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 anyone had to, uh, if I had to choose any of one, it would be you. Mm-hmm. And then he basically is like, "Go ahead and shoot." He pulls out the gun and he's like, "If uh, he's like, if you don't kill me, I'm gonna kill you guys right now." Yeah, and Shuya fires right, and it yeah. turns out that he actually just has a squirt gun. I've I can't stand the fact that, like, to get – well, first of all, not, or Nakagawa was holding the gun up at him. She couldn't fire. Shuya, for some reason, thinks back to his dad's suicide. Yeah. And he remembers the, the, the cloth that he had around his neck that's like, you can do it, Shuya. And so that's what makes him decide, like, all right, I'll kill this guy. Right, right. So he straight up fills Katano full of holes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like an aggressive amount of holes. Yeah. And – this is okay. This is one of the best scenes in the whole movie. But he literally just like falls down onto the ground. Mm-hmm. Kawada takes off his thing yeah. and throws it at him. Uh, Nakagawa does the same. Which thing. Which is why that that scene is a part of the reason why I think that it didn't in the back. Did it show that the systems had been shut down? Systems were oh, yeah. The operation was done, so all of the necklaces had been disabled. Okay, and we're back in the the classroom. But uh, he tried to activate the necklace on him when they were just sitting there, him and... He, well, he had the remote, uh, but that was the only thing that was controlling them at that point. Just okay. like when he killed Nobu, they didn't yeah. have the systems activated yet. Yeah. It was just him with the remote pointing it at the necklace, the Black collar. Yeah. yeah. 
Kawada throws his at him. Nagawa and Shuya both take off theirs and throw them at him. And the phone rings. And they're literally both just like sitting there for like a second. Like Katano hasn't moved. He's been on the ground. Like you th- you assume that he's just dead. Yeah. And his phone rings. <laughs> and his phone rings. And he, <laughs> he straight gets up off the floor. And like, hobbles. Not like injured not hobbles. Even, like I just woke up after sleeping 12 hours. Yeah. Hobbles. Like I'm just super tired hobbles. Goes, picks up the phone, just straight plops on the couch. Mm-hmm. He's talking. I'm, I'm assuming that this is his daughter. Yeah, I think it's his wife, Shiori. Okay. Yeah, I, I think, I I think Shiori's his wife. He says, I'm not coming home, and he's... And he looks completely fine, other than the fact that he's, like, got bullet holes all over his chest and the fact that his hand's covered in blood. Yeah. He talk, he's talking fine. Like, he doesn't sound worried. Yeah. Like, he's just like, all right, this is happening. I'm mm-hmm. just going to let them know, you know, I'm not coming home, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And then he reaches into the bag and grabs one more cookie. Yeah, the last and one. And he goes, and his last words are... Even his body movements don't yeah. look like he just got shot with bullets. <laughs> yeah, he puts in the cookie, puts the cookie in his mouth. Like, the last one. And then as he, like, literally places it on his tongue, just falls back into the couch yeah. and dies. <laughs> Damn good cookies. And then that's the end of Katano. And then we get the last shot of the painting. The movie's not quite over yet. We have one last scene, and it's Kawada escaping on the boat with Nakagawa and Shuya. Yeah, and they're like, how do you know how to r- drive a boat? And he's like, my dad Dad's was a fisherman. fisherman. <laughs> 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 so Kawada says, you just got to keep going straight, and, and then you'll hit land. Eventually, yeah. He goes outside the boat, lays down, uh, takes one last smoke, and asks Nakagawa to come aside. And basically he says... He's giving his final words. Finally came to the, con- or he finally figured out what Keiko meant with her final smile and her last like thank you. Which guess what? It meant it meant thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's you know he gave them the exact same thing. He's like, what's the answer? He's like her her parting words, thank you at the end, and then he just passes away. It's kind of like he's doing the exact same thing to that them. everyone else did. That's yeah. what that's what that Kitano just did. That's what Shigusa did. That's what. Uh, Sugi, uh, Sugiyama did yeah. uh, in the with uh, Kotohiko or Kotohito. I can Kar- never remember the name. Karahiko? Kotohiki? Ko- no, Kotohiki. Kotohiki. <laughs> <laughs> We're good at this. So he dies, uh, and then it's uh, and then we actually get an inner monologue from Kawada after yes. he dies that says, "At the end, he found a true friend because mm-hmm. he learned not to trust anybody, but at the end, he found two people he could trust." Yeah. And uh, and then we find we get the last phrasing, uh, the last phrase. And yet again, no black screen. We get the shot of the boat and it says, at the end, I found a true friend. Yeah. And we get a slow you get fade a short, out. You get a short little uh, clip at the end that shows. Um, Nakagawa. 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 Yeah. That has Nakagawa. And Nanahara. They're both back in Japan. They're both fugitives from the government who are uh, – it's the lead-up to the second movie. Um, they're both fugitives from the government, and I won't say exactly what happens in the second movie because you guys have to go watch that one. Yeah. But uh, basically because they killed Well, um, we talked about Katana. it at the beginning of the episode. Oh, yeah, true. They uh, – or um, – Nanahara becomes a, t- a terrorist from the government who basically puts together a group of survivors to try and take down the BR Act. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's him putting together people who have either have family members that have been in the BR Act or survivors from, like, games. Yeah. So, Which is the exact same thing as Hunger Games. <laughs> right. Nakagawa and Shuya. Uh, Nakagawa gives him Nobu's blade. Knife. Yeah. Uh, 
and basically like they go say goodbye to their pa- and their sleep like say like gives their parents a bidding farewell yeah and he basically not sure <laughs> the, the final episode or not final episode the final uh scene kind of gives a deeper and look and how he's feeling about like because he's throughout the whole movie he's been the pacifist the one that didn't want to kill anybody mm-hmm. he didn't want to hurt his friends he didn't want anything bad to happen and at the end he literally just kind of slightly switches it a bit he goes like i've come to the understanding that you know we I don't want to hurt people, but if someone's going to, you know, come at me or something like that, like I've learned that like I just need to keep going forward no matter what I have to do to keep myself and like everybody else safe. Yeah. So, uh they're on I actually believe this is Shibuya Crossing. Mm-hmm. Uh and we get that last in red text says run. Yeah. And then we get uh Requiem class B and it's the it's basically it just the shows them full, winning the game. It's the full unaltered scene of them playing basketball and everyone being friends and it all being a good time. Yeah, and then uh, and thinking everyone is dead. They win the game, scene. and then you get a little final shot of um, Mitsuko. Mitsuko, who is kind of not a part. She's she's off to the side. She's kind of happy that the team won, but she's not a part of the festivities of them. You know, everyone's celebrating. Yeah. Kind of showing her, you know, loneliness and separation from everybody else. Which is uh, ironic because this white background, I feel like Squidward's going to walk by with the big text, alone, <laughs> alone. <laughs> but yeah, look, everybody's great. There's Shuya. Everyone's having a great time. And now they're all dead except for him and uh, and Nakagawa. Yeah. Last scene of the movie, you get a you get some. Well, in the special get, edition, you get the requiems, which you see two of them normally in the movie. Yeah, the These basketball scene being one, the second one being the uh, flashback to Nobu, mm-hmm. which just has one extra shot. And of then Shuya. the Noriko and Katano dream, where you actually get to hear what they're saying. Because mm-hmm. in the movie, during the dream, you don't you don't hear what they're saying. Yeah, you kind of hear Katano's story with Class B, which is like that everyone's kind of bastard to him yeah and uh the last picture that pops up on the screen is a picture of every uh, everybody that was killed on the island the whole it's, class and then uh, the addition of the two uh, transfer, transfer students, students in the corner so it's 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 the entire class b yeah uh with with our boy our fat boy <laughs> yeah i'm guessing it's a seventh grade picture yeah because katana's there and then the two guys were digitally added in the corner yeah i thought yeah that's movie things i want to say a definitely my favorite movie of killing folks for funsies month 
you got this pick on me. You you win yeah. this one. <laughs> uh, two favorite movie I've watched so far on the podcast. And C, just like last month, the best movie we watch is the last one of the month. Yeah. It's almost like we're saving the best for last. Almost. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't like any movies as much as Halloween because I haven't seen Halloween all the way. How much of it have you actually seen? The notable scenes, like That's standing it. outside the or the the house, the like he was a brother. To, the, he came home. He, like, he's not her brother in the first one. No, it, no, no. He's he, the the second one. He didn't become her brother until the second one. Oh, uh, when like, they reveal that her name is Cynthia Myers. That's actually just that was never John Carpenter's intent, right? He never wanted them to be brother and sister, right? But then again, he wasn't the director of the second movie, so (laughs) yeah. As long as we don't come back around to H twenty, yeah. Well, at least we have the sort of you know reboot slash continuation of the first movie, like (laughs) nowadays. Yeah. So again, typically you follow along with us uh, if this is unless you're you're hearing this for the first time through our podcast. But you should – this is required watching. Definitely. If you're into movies that have a little more blood uh, but tell a really good story and that's a very, very popular foreign film, this is up there. This is a top ten. Especially if you're you know, somebody like me or Tim who just generally like loves thrillers and horror movies. Definitely required watching for that. Um, I don't – I mean to us it's not bad at all. I mean some people might find a lo- – because it is – I mean – we made a lot of jokes about it being similar to Hunger Games, but it is gorier than Hunger Games. Sure, yeah. Um, like, I don't know. It, the, this, the scenes of kids killing kids might affect some people, so if that's something you think you might not like, then, you know. I mean, they're all older. They're high school age, yeah. Yeah, it's like 7th to ninth grade or something like that. I mean, Kiriyama is not a 7th grader. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's dead, though, so. Yeah. Uh, next month, we move on to Horror's Big Four, so... We are not going to see you guys again until October 12th with the release of Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to send in notes for that, send it in on October 9th, which is next Wednesday. Until then, Thank uh, you guys. watch some movies. Watch Battle Royale if you haven't. Watch, you know, Belco or Running Man or any of those if they piqued your interest. Uh, watch some of the older movies. Watch some of last month's movies. If, yeah. you're, if you're just coming on board and you missed out on... Uh, movies for music fans. Watch Detroit Rock City or Try Out Crossroads. Almost uh, famous. Highly suggest all of them. Yeah, um, yeah, guys. This has been uh, really fun to. Be this is to... probably my favorite episode we recorded. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it's not. How long is this turning out to be? Uh, we're looking at about two and a half to two forty. Yeah, I honestly thought that we would cover more in terms of the deaths, but it go by fairly. Like they go talking about it goes by quicker than actually like watching it yeah but yeah uh so go check out some of the old stuff if you haven't go watch some of those old movies if you haven't yeah uh, please guys follow us on social media uh mango movie pod on both instagram and twitter mm-hmm. uh we let you know all of our updates about the next themes month of movies when dates are gonna be coming out um, next themes month <laughs> I mean, next month's theme of movies when uh, when shows are going to be coming out, um, information on when you guys need to send. If you want to, uh, information to the um, email, which is triple M podcast at outlook dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, guys, thank you so much for joining us again this week. Uh, if you're a new listener, thank you for joining us. If you have listened to a few other episodes, thank you for coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's good. So, uh, you know, go, go watch some spooky movies. Uh, October begins in two days.
Yes. Or actually, since you won't hear this until tomorrow, it comes out in one day. <laughs> Take advantage of Spooky Month. And good night, guys. And scene. <laughs> we are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. <laughs> a little break? Okay. 